0: Welcome to the Brazilian Beat, episode 89 with Joe Goglia. Join us as we get to know the Brazilian percussion music making community one interview at a time. Hello, this is Diana. And this is Courtney. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Good. Well, here we are again with another episode. And this is like uh, kind of going back to Brazil camp week.
1: Kind of going back to the roots of the podcast. I mean, we used to talk to a lot of people in
0: the US who are running groups so it's kind of kind of cool. Yeah, I think we talked to we had mentioned this to Joe a long time ago and just things happen and I think he's had a, a couple kids in the meantime and <laughs> yeah. but here
1: he is. Originally from Barnegut, New Jersey, Joe Goglia has been living in Tempe, Arizona since 2002. Upon moving to Arizona, he completed his bachelor's of music degree in percussion performance from Arizona State University, where he was under the direction of Dr. J.B. Smith, Dr. Mark Sunkit, and Dom Moyo. Joe also holds his master's degree in music education with an emphasis in jazz, also from ASU, under the direction of Michael Coker. In addition to formal education, Joe has had the opportunity to study with a variety of instructors in the folkloric field, including Scott Kettner, He's on one of our episodes. Mark Lampson. Another another podcast episode. Dude Fuentes. Oh my god, it's full of Him too! Hi Elton <laughs> Nunez! Him too! Uh, Julie Hill, Alberto Beto Torres, Rafael Maya, Marin Torres, Eva Liz Diaz, Roy Lopez Nusa Lesoki, Cachete Maldonado. Currently, Joe is the director of instrumental and digital music at Camelback High School. His duties at Camelback include band, percussion ensemble, and music technology.
0: Not only an educator, Joe is also a seasoned performer. He works as a freelance musician with a variety of performing artists around town. In 2012, Joe created the group Samba Di Cavallo. This group specializes in Afro-Brazilian music, but also has been blending different music of African diaspora to create a new and unique sound. Joe has also collaborated with Amanda Suarez in the Samba Project and can always be seen with BOOM percussion on <laughs> trash cans or marching drums. One of his latest endeavors includes Gru- Grupo Bombazo, an Afro-Puerto Rican folklore group that specializes in bomba and plena. As an active member of the Percussive Arts Society for many years, Joe has served as Arizona Chapter Vice President and President for the Chapter. Joe proudly endorses Big Perth Drumsticks, Mapex Majestic Percussion, Minal Percussion, and Remo Drumheads.
1: Be like Bruce Ogilvie and consider donating to Hichimo Solidario. Hichimo Solidario is feeding members of... of Samba Baterias in Rio de Janeiro. People are having a hard time. 15 U.S. dollars will feed a family of four for two weeks. So consider donating now and you can do that through PayPal to the address C H I I N A B A d a l o at gmail.com things are pretty pretty crazy there right now with the pandemic in brazil as many of you know so um, please consider donating to them like bruce ogilvy who has given quite a bit so thank you bruce thanks bruce Uh, you're an inspiring person and i know you diana have been giving money and i have too and other other people that we
0: know so join us join us in supporting them I know some of you just got your, uh, what's it called? Stimulus? Your stimulus check, so there you go. Stimulate somebody else.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Stimulate each other. Yeah, um, we take a lot from this culture. We take a lot from this music, and this this is a fantastic, direct, grassroots way to give back to the exact people who are keeping this culture alive and moving it forward, so please 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 consider giving to them today and if you would like to support us on this effort please share this podcast with a friend you can give us a rating on apple podcasts follow us on social media and and tell your friends so we also have another way you could support us ko-fi slash the brazilian beat it's a way to donate a little money that goes towards our web hosting and things like that but Please give to Sheena first, with because mm-hmm. they are definitely, definitely in there. Diana and I can, can uh, make our
0: Lamborghini payments uh, <laughs> with our jobs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we'd like to thank uh, those who have contributed to our Kofi coffee, um, coffee pot. Uh, there's uh, Jay Maurer from here in Portland, Oregon, our good friend. Uh, There's Peter Legree. There is Andrew Shorn. um, Our good friend, and I think he's maybe still one of our top listeners, is uh, Jeremy Parker. Oh, Jeremy. And all of those uh, folks who have contributed, we really appreciate all your help and support. Yeah, thank you.
1: Hello, Diana. How are you doing?
0: Hey, Courtney. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing super good. Who do we have today? Today we have from one of our we have one of our Brazil camp friends, Joe Golia from Arizona. Welcome, Joe. Hello. Thanks for being here.
2: <laughs> well, of course. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's always
1: uh, good to have people from camp on and just hear a little bit more like you know we meet each other we feel like we know each other because we spend so much time together but then it's nice
2: to like dig in right yeah it, it absolutely I mean well I mean I feel like I just when I went to camp I've only been once it's really frustrating I would like to go back <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah like you just we make these connections and then you know with I'm sure it was different 25 years ago but you know but right now at social media it's like as soon as you leave camp it's like oh okay cool we're all doing this together you know
0: <laughs> kind of yeah, yeah yeah that's a you good even way see, to describe it and you even see pictures before you even leave <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> of what's going on so yes very connected
1: yeah so well thanks for coming on can you let's start out you know we know, always like to start out kind of with how how folks began in their musical career so tell us uh where you grew up and and your first um, experiences with music
2: oh that's the the, the big question right there. Mm-hmm. Um, a long, long time ago, there was a boy who lived in New Jersey. In a
1: galaxy far, <laughs> far away.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, grew up in a small town in South Jersey called Barnegat, hmm. um, which I learned apparently in maybe third grade. When you translate it in some form of old English language or something, I don't remember what the exact original language is. It's Barendagat, which was the isle of breakers so the island off the mainland um in new jersey i was a my town was on the coast Hmm. so the island is uh long beach island and then at the end of it there's an inlet and the town is called barnegat light there's a lighthouse there but i lived on the mainland in a town called barnegat so there's a little barnegat history uh for you (laughs) um but yeah a and it's is like g-a-t but we say barnegat not barnegat it's one like prescott like biscuit but it's like prescott you know Mm -hmm. it's just one of those things uh you Mm -hmm. know south jersey has sometimes a little bit a little bit of the south in it Mm -hmm. (laughs) um a little too much south but uh (laughs) um it's cool i so i grew up there you know and never really played music at all until i got into middle school and joined band in middle school we did one of those like instrument petting zoo type things you mm-hmm. know in the auditorium in sixth grade and I, you know I tried cool. a bunch of instruments and I saw a drum like in a case and I was like I want to check that out you know <laughs> and I brought home a sheet that day to my mom and uh I was like mom I'm gonna play I'm gonna play drums she's like what <laughs> you know <laughs> so we rented a snare drum and I you know I had to carry this you know old like it's like a big, giant plastic case with a drum in it and a drum pad and a stand. and Like I used to carry it to and from school, like once a week, and uh, I used to have to have people like help me carry it home. It's getting like, you used to the future heavy. as a drummer. Yeah, exactly. Things. It was <laughs> it was so heavy for like for what eleven year old me at that time, uh, you know. And uh, I was like a skinny eleven year old kid. Like now I'm just a skinny old guy um but you know like i I couldn't carry it i have people used to have to help me and we'd trade (laughs) off i'd switch hands and finally made it home yeah that i mean that was the beginning of the end i'd say you know like i sort of was hooked you know i'd stopped playing sports like i'd grown up playing sports and you know soccer and basketball Mm -hmm. in the town leagues and you know my older brothers were super athletic and i wasn't as athletic as them (laughs) um and then that was it. And I just went through my whole punk rock skater, inline skater, bike phase in middle school while also, <laughs> you know, we're talking 96, 95, 6, 7, 8, I, what a 9, yeah. 98. I was I graduated eighth grade. So, right. So it's like that those years in mid to late nineties were like formative in my musical education you know mm-hmm. so you know learning how to play out of the Yamaha beginning band method book and playing a Jurassic Park medley at school <laughs> and then going home and like listening to the Green Day you know and going to the basement and learning on the drum set how to play Nirvana and Green Day and Smashing Pumpkins and so your parents other...
1: eventually got you a drum set too they did yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. I,
2: I think I skipped forward a bit there yeah they did uh, I had to spend a whole year I really wanted a drum set so I had to spend a whole year in band and then my dad knew a guy that worked with him that used to like playing um, like a bunch of heavy metal bands. Uh, I'll get there later. You said I could talk as much as I want. I'm like, I have so many stories. This Sounds like intriguing. It's, it's, it's wild. So at, that summer after, eight, uh, after sixth grade, I started taking drum set lessons. And this guy my dad knew had like two old drum sets that were like totally mismatched and just like brought him over and was like here you go Frankenstein them together yeah Yeah. so i had i had like a double bass drum (laughs) (laughs) one floor tom two rack toms from two disconnected drum sets (laughs) i you know cymbals with cracks in them like it was like whatever Mm -hmm. he had you know Mm -hmm. um and that's what i learned on um and i started taking drum set lessons with a guy named gino from the south jersey drum center in tom's river Um, and, uh, it was a whole thing and it was cool and I loved it. And I just like thrived. I I wanted nothing to do, but just go in the basement and play drums all day. And that's what I did for for many, many years. Um, and then eventually I got like a nice kit in eighth grade, I think for Christmas or something. I don't know. My parents got me like a Pearl export, you know, like entry level. Right. But it's like, at that time it was like, this is a kit, you know, Mm -hmm. blue and it was cool. And then that became my drum set. And yeah, so I managed like all of seventh grade. With like this crappy like <laughs> makeshift kit with only heads on one side of the toms, sure, and, yeah, you know, like <laughs> and you know broken cymbals, and it was like finally in eighth grade we started like you know putting real drum set together. I think maybe it was in a fall, I don't remember. And then got some cymbals and some nicer things for you know Christmas, and I I still have some of that stuff that I got for Christmas mm-hmm. in like eighth grade. I still have some of those cymbals um, and a cymbal bag that my aunt got me, and so. That's wild. So everything, yeah, I, I hold on to things, but I take care of things.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> so that's like the beginning. I mean, that's like drum set. Like, that was it. And then um, I went through all of middle school playing jazz band in eighth grade and concert band nice. and, and just, you know, trying to play punk rock and rock and roll in the basement. And then I got to high school and I... Joined marching band, but I was also had already started marching drum and bugle corps at that point. Right, like I, I started in eighth grade. It's wild. In eighth grade. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. A little tiny. I got to give you my were shout so outs. Small. Right? I feel like it people. I mean, do you have were, to be yeah.
1: fourteen to do it?
2: I was. Well, I was fourteen. I was oh. thirteen at my first camp. Oh. Um, yeah. So a little tiny drum corps, division three at the time, mm-hmm. called Phoenix from uh, Brick or Jackson. I think Jackson at the time, New Jersey, about a half hour north of where I grew up. I feel like I got to give all these shout outs like people can be like, oh, he mentioned he mentioned drum corps. it didn't mention us, you know, um, but like I, I just I owe a lot, you know, to that drum corps and the people in that organization, mm. you know, just and my buddy Bobby, who's like, hey, man, I play drums, too. And we were in like homeroom together and, and he's like and we in band together in, in, in middle school. And he's like, You should come to this thing. It's like this camp. And it's like an overnight thing. It's like, okay, cool. And I went and I was like, this is awesome. I just get to play drums all weekend. Like, <laughs> So I got hooked, you know, and I, I think I was playing bass drum that year. Mm-hmm. And then I got hurt on my longboard and I busted my shoulder. Ouch. So then I put me in a pit and I played like cowbell and suspended <laughs> cymbal. <laughs> <laughs> and then high school band and more drum corps and, and more high school band and more drum corps and indoor drum line. It's just like it never like that's that was the beginning so like that's cool that's that's all of my training like you know it's when I think about um how I'm doing what I'm doing now it's like it's it's all of those formative years middle school high school like and drumline was like the catalyst for all of that yeah that's a lot of good um
1: discipline too Uh,
2: tons of discipline too much discipline yeah too much (laughs) it's true but, but you know but like at the same time like you know, I had chops and, you know, and I was learning how to play marimba in high school and, Mm -hmm. you know, just, it never ended. And uh, just constantly drumming all year and then playing in jazz band in high school and indoor drumline and doing the pit orchestra. Like it, it it never ended. I I played in an adult, like wind ensemble when I was in high school and I'm actually editing a video for them with a bunch of percussion alumni from that group. Mm -hmm. And, um, my, my, this one is of like our in your
1: city, was, like a city orchestra yeah, kind of thing. A
2: half hour south of us. Yeah. So it was mm. like, you know, like, uh, like, like a teacher band, essentially. Like we have a couple mm-hmm. out here, like, you know, uh, community yeah, bands, yeah. there's like two like really, really good bands in Phoenix area, cool. um, that are totally community based, not, not attached to like a school or, right. a, uni- or a university or a community college. And it's like a lot of band directors just go play. And one's on Wednesday night, one's on Thursday night, you know. And So this was, it was like Monday nights. And my percussion teacher drove me and a buddy down there. I was like 16, like playing this adult wind ensemble, like, you know, just trying to figure it out and because I needed a percussionist. So, and that's part of the reason I'm in Arizona. It's like, it all ties together. It's
1: crazy. Yeah. When Okay. I got so, a question. When you oh, yeah. were, when you were in that first drum corps and you were... 13 or 14 did you tour did that core tour
2: it was uh so what the old school i can't what, imagine taking a bunch of like,
1: 14 year olds on a tour
2: <laughs> yeah no <laughs> we we did I, I i'm not sure i'd want to take four 14 that's, year old on tour. <laughs> um, so back in the day there was called div two and div three right mm-hmm. you might remember mm-hmm. um so uh, now it's called a or open and world class and open class i think something, right something yeah um, i don't know yeah but it was div 2 and div 3 and div 3 was like you know what under 60 you know people or it was like 50 and under and then you know so we yeah you know, we only had like 30 people in the group um it was wild and yeah we did like uh, we were weekend warriors so we did the weekends mm. and then we did mm-hmm. uh we did a two week tour at the end of the summer you know and there oh, were that's shows a great,
1: like, like introduction for
2: oh, oh it was cool. awesome yeah hmm. yeah so i could still enjoy my summer and go to the beach <laughs> <laughs> And get rid of my harness tan from between weekends. <laughs> right. um, you know, uh, you know, so it's like, I, you know, you get out on, get to the beach on Monday after a camp and you're like, okay, cool. All right. Get rid of this. Just put, put the sunscreen mm-hmm.
1: like on the, yeah on the tanned parts. Yep.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, that was the thing. So we did two week tour at the end of the summer and I, I marched with them 98, 99, 2000. Hmm. And then 2001, I marched Jersey surf, which was uh, at the time a division two core. So that was, that was a lot of fun.
3: Yeah, And then cool. I took
2: 2002 off. That was my senior year in high school. I was like, I don't want to march drum corps. I want to be able to go to prom and go hang and go party and graduate and not have to like, oh, okay, see you later guys. Yeah, I got to go yeah. to drum corps camp, which I had done the year before. So, um, but yeah, so that's like all the drumming training and, you know, it's, that's where all that came from. And, you know, and then you decided playing. you wanted
1: to go to school to study.
2: Yeah, I, I. I think I mean, when I was college, 14, I, I kind of knew, say. yeah. Yeah. When I was 14, I was like, I think I want to be a musician. You mm. know, I was like, I, I, I like had given up everything else. I was like, yeah, I'm just kind of like full on invested in this. Like, I don't know how to do anything else anymore. I could, you know, I could, I could mow a mean lawn and I could, <laughs> I could hit things with sticks. And, right. and if you need me to mow your lawn, I could do that really probably about as well as I can write music and play music, you know, and that's about it. Uh, so, um, so yeah so i knew when i was like 14 i was like i want to study music and i want to be a band director you know and, and then I, so i started preparing for that you know all through high school mm-hmm. and then did my auditions and the the conductor of the adult group i was in um keith hodson uh his wife was actually one of my band directors in high school um so they both were like yeah arizona because i told him i was like i want to go warm i want to go somewhere warm mm-hmm. i want to get away from new jersey i wanted the march blue devil so i wanted to be closer to the mm-hmm. west coast um and so, yeah, go figure. Drum Corps had a big uh, say in where I went to university as well. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I was like, I need to be closer to the West Coast because I want to go march Blue Devils, you know? So so they were like, the Hodgson family, they were like, yeah, so check out Arizona State. Like, you know, he's like, my dad lives out there. I've been there. They've got great music programs. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I, I looked it up and I saw there, there was this, they still have it on campus. It's like called Palm Walk. It's just a walkway that cuts north, south on campus. And it's just lined in palm trees, you know, like like queen palm, you know, mm-hmm. like stuff mm-hmm. you'd see. And, you saw you know, that and we're and, like, oh, and I was like, I'm going there. You know? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know, growing up in New Jersey, I'm like, I'm going to go there. That looks cool. Um, and then uh, I think so my professor at the time was uh, JB Smith, Dr. JB Smith, who just retired uh, last year, but um, he I saw his name on the list. I was like, oh, who's the professor? He's like, oh, JB Smith. Cool. I had no idea who he was. Right. So. I was like I opened up like a some catalog or something and it was like I saw an ad an ad for like Pearl or Adam's concert percussion and like there was his name and his photo. I was like, "Wow, that's cool. Like, oh, I guess I'm going to go there." Yeah. <laughs> I was like he must be legit <laughs> if he's in the catalog. Um, you know, it was like 18-year-old me, you know, or 17 at the time probably being like, "Oh, this is cool, JB, like, <laughs> like he's that's in the catalog." The research. Must- yeah. <laughs> like that's yeah, the extent exactly. of the- <laughs> We didn't have YouTube. I didn't, you know, I didn't have yeah audio recordings of his stuff i was like oh that's cool like i want to go to arizona this is cool he's in the pearl catalog he must be legit you know Mm -hmm. like let's go um and you know turns out he was pretty legit um arizona state
1: okay so forgive me sports people but arizona state has a big football team right aren't they like a big
2: can i refrain from this one
1: (laughs) i mean is that is that an arizona is i know that there's a school in arizona that has a big football program there's
2: well, there, there there's three state schools in right. arizona um oh, okay but they're they're they nau is up in flagstaff and nau is like it, it's it's like the they're like like what switzerland right they're just like they're like neutral right <laughs> okay. right they're, they're just kind of like they're, they're there they exist they're a little bit smaller they're mountains it's cool it's beautiful it's absolutely gorgeous up there you know um and uh and they they're like lower level f- athletics but their music program is fantastic right so they have okay. some other programs so they have like a you know a, some other nature science program too because of the woods and you know mm-hmm. forests and all that mm-hmm. stuff but uh, they have a really fantastic music program i have some former students that go there and um but uh, so the two big ones are the U of A, which is in Tucson. That's the University mm-hmm. of Arizona. They're the big basketball school. That their women's team is in the final game right now tonight. Yeah, or like in tonight, an yeah. hour. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm going to make you miss that. Um, <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> but uh, so they're the big basketball school, and they also have a football team. But historically, their football team has been not very good. Oh, ASU good. is like big sports in general, right? We're pack what pack 12. Pac-12. we are both Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, so ASU, you know, big football program, it's just we've historically just been like inconsistent. I'd say we have really good years and <laughs> then we have okay. years where we're like, hmm, do we play football? You know, okay. um, but uh, it's just I, I would say in my time living in Arizona, it's like, yeah, football. And then you're like the next year, you're like, oh, maybe next year. <laughs> <laughs> I just mentioned that because a lot on.
1: of times when when universities have big football programs, they have well-funded mm-hmm. band programs.
2: Yeah. Oh well, right now, yeah, the marching band at Arizona State, which I had a, the pleasure of teaching and writing for for two years teaching and a third year I wrote, um, in like 08, 07, ish, um, under the direction of Jim Hudson. Uh, they're killing it. Yeah, they're like 350, 400 strong. Mm-hmm. There's a, a lot of funding from the university, um, and uh, it's it's been cool to see that grow since 2006, mm-hmm. since since cool. he took over. So, yeah. So that's that. I mean that's that that's I you know I went to school in Arizona, I uh, started a music ed degree, decided I didn't want to do marching band cuz at the time I was like not into it. And I was marching drum corps. I was like I don't want to do more college band. And mm-hmm. So I I dropped my ed degree and finished a performance degree. So mm-hmm. I didn't have to do marching band the second year. Um and then you know I, I was teaching the whole time after that, you know, and then finally was like I'm going to get my master's degree. So I went back and did my masters, did a post back and got certified and I got a full time job, and you no, know, now I've been teaching full time for a number of years.
1: Did and, you march Blue so, Devils? Did that happen? I,
2: you know, funny. Yeah, I never did. Um, I've got a, a good story. Uh, Cavaliers? But, uh, were you Cavi? No, Madison Scouts. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, back in the day when it was, you know, uh, mm-hmm. quasi toxic masculinity. <laughs> Amazing organization. <laughs> Looking back at it, I was like, ooh, <laughs> um, it's like, wow, we, yeah. yeah. Hmm. I would think differently about a lot of things now, right? Um, yeah. But uh, totally. you know, we were also like you know, nineteen year old kid. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, you don't yeah, know so, much, and so you're kind up, of like influenced
1: yeah. by all these like mm-hmm. seemingly adults around you when you're yeah. in yeah. So situation. and and
2: everybody yeah. was cool. It was just it, you know, it's one of those things. It's like it was just how it was, and we didn't think yeah. differently about it. Right. You know, right? Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, you look back with a different lens, mm-hmm. and I think anybody, <laughs> anybody involved in the organization, whether it was a staff member or a member, you know, would just look back and be like yeah, you know, we could probably have done it differently if we, if we wanted to. Um, But yeah, so I I ended up coming out here, what, oh, two, oh, three was my freshman year. So I auditioned for, I I skipped an orchestra concert, got to see an orchestra because I skipped a concert to go to Blue Devil auditions. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So I got, I auditioned, I killed it in the audition. I got called back. They called back six uh, tenor players Mm -hmm. and they only took five. And it was a buddy of mine from, it was like three vets. Well, yeah, it was three vets. A dude who was marching rcc at the time who uh pete i think yeah pete um and he you know he was in we knew who was in because he was already drumming with sean vega and he was good like he deserved to be in so i was like all right three vets and then this guy pete from southern california like all right he's in one slot yeah so it's one slot and it was me and my buddy sean from arizona who were drumming together in an independent uh indoor drum line here uh called momentum um so he he got the and he deserved the spot, right? You know, it's like he he's an amazing amazing drummer. You know, so Sean Melter he he got the spot. He totally deserved it. Um, you know, and I. You know, at the time, the, the funny thing is, I say I was probably the most prepared one in the room. Like, I showed up, I had everything super memorized, mm-hmm. you know. And other other guys in the room, you know, were like reading the chart. I'm like, what's going on? You know, mm-hmm. I was like, but they were really good, you know. So, like, I didn't make it, you know, my technique wasn't where it needed to be. It, was, it is what it is. So, then a mutual friend of ours called Paul Cook, um, Aww,
3: Paul
1: <laughs> who, Cook. Was,
2: who was, yeah, my drumline instructor at ASU my first year. And oh, um, he, he's like, oh, hey, I didn't man. realize that. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. that's how I met him. So, he, um, uh, what's called? He goes, hey, man, I know uh, this guy, Jim Yakis, who was a North Texas alum and who was teaching, I think, in Central Florida, U- UCF at the time, uh, while somebody else uh, was on sabbatical. Um, but uh, so Jim, he's like, yeah, my buddy, Jim Yakis, he's teaching at Madison. He's the caption head. They need tenor players. I was like, OK. I was like, I just got cut from devs, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's like, send a video. So I sent a video. You know, VHS, I had one of my friends film with a VHS, <laughs> like spring 03, right? And I uncut, unedited, like literally, I just played a couple exercise, took the VHS, put it in, you know, post office and just sent it. And they, you know, they called me like two days later, like, yeah, so buy a ticket to the next camp. So so then I went to camp. I missed my parents' 30th anniversary party that my aunt was throwing for them in February um, because, uh, you know, I had to go to Madison camp, but they totally got, they totally were like, that's cool. your thing." Like We get it. Yeah. They're like, we know this is your thing. So of all the cores that I've always wanted to march, Blue Devils and Madison were at the top two. So Mm -hmm. I, I, it's, I still feel like I was fulfilled. Right on. Um, So it was cool. So I marched 03 and then um, I went back in 04. But then at the time I was just like, at that point I was kind of burnt out on drum corps. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know if i want to do this anymore so.
1: that's the kind of way i was my age um, out, my age out year i was just like yeah mm-hmm. eh, meh
2: yeah i was spending a lot of money to fly to madison and flying to madison oh from yeah Phoenix right you weren't that it's really difficult yeah you had to fly through chicago or minneapolis so it was always two flights um so it was expensive it was difficult it was time consuming um so you know it's all of that and i was drumming here still in the indoor drum line and then i started gigging right i was playing in the steel band at asu and like people were calling me to play gigs for money <laughs> i was like wait a minute right so i could pay all this money and sleep on a gym floor with a bunch of dudes or <laughs> <laughs> i could right um and travel on a sweaty bus you know smelly mm-hmm. bus all summer which mm-hmm. was an amazing experience um or i could not do that and get paid to play music. It's like, I think I'm going to stay and, and get paid to play music. So I went home to Jersey that summer. I got a summer job as an ice cream man and hung out at the beach all summer and got a car and came back to Arizona for my third year of school. So I didn't think about that all in the meantime, thing, that would yeah. be
1: hard for a college student. Cause like we would all mm-hmm. just pile in a van and
2: drive. Yeah. Um, cause you could do that when you live in two the Midwest, away, six, yeah. six, six drum corps within four hours mm-hmm. driving, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, there were i mean the arizona academy was here at the time but it was so in its early stages i think oh four was the first year '03 three or four i think oh four was the first year they actually were a, a, an official drum corps you know hmm. um you know so it was like infant stages Yeah, I, sure, I just sure. wasn't ready for that you yeah. know i was like oh, i need something that's ready to rock and roll so yeah. Um, totally. but yeah that's that's the story and uh you cool. know in 03 so I could relate it back to samba in 03 <laughs> I did my IE solo on tenors and I put like a like a fake samba lick like in it, like I I had like, I had a jingle stick and I put like a doo goo 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 on like the low Tom, and, <laughs> sure. du-ga, du-ga, you know, like a Parchito Alto thing, like with my right hand moving around the drums. Uh-huh. Um, something like that. I remember I put, I put that in cause I was like just starting to like get into Brazilian music. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so when did
1: you, that... when did you encounter Brazilian music for the first time?
2: I, I could tell you exactly. Well, in, in high school, you know, probably just like, you know, I think I played in jazz band, like, my freshman year oh, high school right. like yeah some mm-hmm. arrangement you know mm-hmm. you know it was like oh cool like and didn't really understand the style or what it was and you know i'm sure we played a samba again at some point in you know in jazz band and you know we played latin music and like mm-hmm. that you know that you see a chart and it says latin on it just like it it, it drives me a little bit insane <laughs> um you know it's like come on you could have done a better job of giving a more specific style latin is vague mm-hmm. um but uh So, you know, I probably played some Brazilian stuff in high school, like not really doing it justice. And then it was my freshman year in university out here in Arizona. I can't remember if it was fall or spring. But I was studying with JB and then I was studying with one of the TAs, uh, Keith Leinert, who now teaches in Wisconsin, I think. And it was a uh, NIU, I think. I think he went to NIU for undergrad. He's got like a big Liam Teague steel band connection um so he's a total total ba like total ba um and uh so i was you know 18 and he was doing his master's degree so it was all right like i'm just like this guy is awesome right right so i knew he had known something about samba and i was like way i was always into you know quote i'm air quoting right now at home latin music right mm-hmm. so i was like yeah man like like i i want to learn samba like you know stuff about that right i was like i don't know anything i was kind of learned how to play congas at the time from another teacher um and uh finally had an outlet it just in a different space you know i grew up in like small town south jersey like i mean not far from new york city but like i had so much going out in high school like i never needed to go anywhere else to do anything musical um so like here i am now in a like you know a big city for me and uh you know i had access to people with a wealth of knowledge you mm-hmm. know uh in various things so i tapped into it i was like yeah so Tell me what you know, and he's like, "Well, check this out." So he started, you know, working with me and show me some like, you know, Parchito alto and how to play shaker in one hand, and play Parchito alto in the other hand, and you know, comping and then some drum set stuff. But then he's like, "You got to check out this recording," and th- I, mean, this was the moment, like this was it, like he, we were in the TA office in the basement of the school of music, like this. I have these crazy vivid memories about things, right? You know, it was like the first time everybody's like, "I remember where I was when JFK." It's like. <laughs> I you know it's like cool like I remember where I was when someone dropped Brazilian music on me, (laughs) right? Um, And uh, so he played the Sergio Mendes opening track off their Brasileiro album, and it blew my mind. Like my jaw hit the floor. I was like, I was like, whoa! Like that's a lot of drums. Like that's that's awesome, you know. And I mean, that was it. That was the end of it for me, you know, or the beginning. I don't know, you know. And like that was the moment. I was like, this is this is what i want to do this is one of the things i want to do Mm -hmm. you know it's like i just i love drums and i love groovy drums so which is also why i think i liked madison scouts because they always played groovy stuff you know true yeah Um, that's true it wasn't it it wasn't a bunch of classical repertoire like Uh would it have been cool to march phantom yeah but they played classical repertoire and i wasn't into playing classical repertoire on tenors
1: (laughs) yeah no uh madison always played some cool stuff it's always groovy yeah, yeah. groovy and so stuff, yeah, yeah. Nine,
2: well 95 madison is like my that was my first intro to drum corps right mm-hmm. like you know it's like oh mm-hmm. cool <laughs> mm-hmm. um so yeah so i think that was always in my head and that's why i fell into latin music was there you
1: know, an and... ensemble there at at your school then for
2: at, at asu like a Brazilian um, ensemble to kind of try no. out some
1: of these ideas yeah
2: no we n- not at all um so we had we had steel band so that's where we get a little bit of samba in you know mm-hmm. um but mostly on drum set you know if you were the drum set player um and then we had pje percussion jazz ensemble so we'd be able to you know maybe do a samba right, you know yeah. samba jazz arrangement that's a little different um, we, though, had, yeah. we had an african drum ensemble which i hmm. only took like half of one semester i did it one day a week <laughs> in one semester um <laughs> and uh it, it at the time I, I wasn't willing to learn in an environment with a lot of like lower skilled players. And mm-hmm. there was a lot of lower skilled players, you know, mm-hmm. looking back, it's like, wow, I should have taken that class. It would have been awesome. But I was like, you know, a little bit of an elitist classical and, you know, choppy nerd, you mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, I don't want to be around people who are lesser than me. You know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know, I was just kind of like living in that, like I'm here to study music and do like the highest level stuff. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I kind of avoided that even though the professor, Dr. Sunkit, you know, who, uh, who has passed since, um but uh he's he was amazing you know he knew everything you know uh but uh so uh, yeah that was we didn't have one until after i graduated so like we had uh, so uh, one of my teachers dom moyo who's still in in the city who still teaches at asu he's like the jazz drum set guy but he's also the world percussion guy right so if like if you're going to asu and you want to learn how to hit a conga like you're going to take a lesson with dom you know um and so anybody that uh, you know, anybody that's come through the institutions in town that um, whoop, I think I, whoop, I hear children stirring. Um, <laughs> <laughs> about the other um, anybody that comes through the institutions in town, right, has learned from Dom, right, how to play all these styles on drum set or on congos and on uh, different things. But uh, so, you know, you learn a little bit through him. And then it wasn't until after I graduated that JB was like, we're going to do a Brazilian ensemble. And Julie Hill from UTM. You know who's been PAS probably at this point past president of PAS. Um, she who was an ASU alum too, so she came out and started this Brazilian ensemble. Like after I graduated, oh, so right like, you can come and hang. It's cool. It was like Mondays in the afternoons. It was like sweet. Um, but uh, so that was cool, and that was like my first experience like playing like in a bateria, and that was that would have been spring oh seven. And everybody's yeah, kind of
1: learning cool. together probably since it yeah, was a yeah, new we, program. Yeah,
2: yeah, we had a meeting over winter break. We kind of did a thing and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and just cool. kind of ran with it. Yeah, so it was it was cool. And that was like my first experience. And, uh, you know, we learned a couple different styles, played some samba reggae. And, we you know, we played some samba batukala, you know. Um, you know, some of and and a little bit of maraca too. She kind of taught us like a little bit of an overview, but it was like very, so surface level, right? Because it was like it was like all happening so quick, and she wasn't there to continue it. Um, and, and she had a couple arrangements she had done that were like just drumming, and then one with keyboards that she did as a tribute to Jim Campbell um, years ago. Um, so you know, we kind of learned all that, and I remember the concert we played, and I, th- I was playing surdo on one of the tunes, and. I was playing on 2 and 4, you know, like for like 10 minutes straight and it was like one of those like peak performance, like one of those amazing musical moments and I was like that was the coolest thing I've ever done. And I was like <laughs> I, I have so many chops and I just played on 2 and 4 for 10 minutes straight and that was the coolest thing I've ever done and like you know, that was another realization like it was like, "Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool, you know?" Yeah. <laughs> like, so I tell people that all the time like, "Yeah, you got to you got to play surdo. You got to have that experience mm-hmm. just holding time." And, and everything relies on you. Yeah. Awesome,
1: so you can't cause you have to be right there and you can't space out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <It's, Yep. laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, so when you graduated, did you get a job as a, like right out of, in town? Like you stayed in town, obviously.
2: Yeah. I stayed in town. Um, I was teaching, uh, drumline and percussion ensemble at, uh, Dobson high school, which is where I taught for a number of years. I, cause I was already involved with that school while I was an undergrad. I was teaching drumline. Gotcha. Uh huh. A buddy of mine, we graduated together. He left to go to his master's degree. So I take took over a little bit more responsibility there. Um and uh, uh you know, and so I was teaching the overseeing the the percuss the marching percussion program, uh, you know, and then doing the percussion ensemble. So yeah, but not certified teacher, it's like the boosters were paying mm, me. Mm-hmm. But I also uh Dom Moyo, who uh, you know, was one of my teachers in undergrad, my the drum set guy. So he actually got me hooked up at Mesa Community College. So I was I was like 22, right, graduate. Yeah, I was 22 years old teaching community college, right? I had students that were older than me. Um <laughs> it was super wild. Uh you know, and it was it was cool. And I taught there for 6 years on top of teaching at the high school like adjunct. So I was like oh, adjunct gotcha. professor or adjunct faculty, at both programs essentially. So and when then I did when my that going did... all that
1: sorry, how did boom percussion fit into that? Were you employed by boom? Is that how boom?
2: Boom is a whole nother thing. Boom is an extension of what used to be called, um, urban trash bash. And then that disbanded. (laughs) And then, uh, it was right around 07, like summer 07, we got together with my buddy, Mike Roshow. And he's like, we're going to start this thing. I was like, okay. So we got together at his house and we started building trash cans, you know, and then, uh, then we had like one gig at the end of the summer going back to school 07 or 08, something like that. And And uh, we designed this whole 15 minute trash can routine with music and Mm. tracks. And, um, and then it's just turned into a a beast sense. So, um, you know, uh, so it started with, you know, my buddy, Mike, who owns the company and then myself and then a good friend of ours, Josh Caro, who, uh, who left after a while. And then he's, he's living in California now. And then a couple other, a couple other people have been around since the very early years. Can you describe
1: to people what it is? It seems like it's a performance. It's it's everything. Yeah. It's a bunch uh, of different things
2: what do we it's a mobile groove experience that's, a, that's how we <laughs> describe it um we sometimes we're a drum line you right sometimes we're just the drum line and we go and we do a routine at a corporate event or whatever or a, a parade or um san diego comic-con uh, sci-fi hires us and it's it's awesome and we're just the drum line sometimes and we bust in a room. We make a lot of noise. We play uh, a cadence. Sometimes we go on stage and run around and do a routine and yell a lot and get people hyped up and then introduce the CEO. And then we leave. <laughs> but the style uh, sometimes- is
1: more like marching band, like yeah, American so marching very, band kind of. Yeah.
2: yeah. It's American marching band. Uh, if trash can. The trash can show is, you know, all based around rudimental drumming and it's all showy, um, you know, but with some sticks and different things. Um you know, a lot of choreography, mm-hmm. a ton of choreography. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, then we have the, so then we'll have a marching band, um, you know, or, and now they they've been marketing, um, like a new Orleans style kind of street band. Um, you know, so it's cool. We do, we do a lot of things with that, with that group. And I've been, uh, very fortunate to be a part of that organization for a, a long time. So yeah it's, uh, that's... it's been cool lots of lots of travel you know it hasn't gotten me up to portland yet but um <laughs> i'm waiting for that portland gig you know? <laughs> there's so we, a lot of know, street
1: marching bands here i don't yeah <laughs> you guys could collaborate yeah
2: so it's cool and we do you know a lot of work not much in the last year but starting to pick up again so so
1: is samba gi under that
2: no, no we should... okay. will work together sometimes but samba gi cavallo is my thing it falls under Joven Gogh Music LLC. Um, okay, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's my thing. That's probably well, almost seven, eight years I think at this point uh-huh. um, that we've been doing it. And it, you know, it well, we've been hired by Boom sometimes. Like he'll, my buddy Mike, he'll get a call, and he'll say, "Hey, we want a, a drumming group." or we want a samba thing we don't want drum line but we want drums mm-hmm. so we'll just kind of <laughs> hire out brazilian Yeah, you know, we'll hire out our group and we'll like sometimes we'll play like real samba sometimes we play funk grooves on brazilian instruments mm-hmm. just because they don't want a marching band look mm-hmm. right they don't want yellow drums that look like a drum line um you know we did a gig up in denver right and we hired some uh uh carl's guys um Carl wasn't on the gig, but Carl hooked us up with a bunch of players. Then we had a bunch of other drumline guys from Denver. And it was like all Brazilian instruments, but like very little actual samba. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it was cool. You know, it's like more like corporate performance, like when when we do those things. So that was like a Boom gig that was samba-ish. Um, gotcha. But, uh, yeah,
1: because I saw pictures on, on the Boom website. There's pictures of you guys with your mm-hmm. blue and white straps, but I wasn't sure yeah. like how that yeah. fit. Yeah. Thank you for those traps, by the
2: way. <laughs> <Sure>. uh, <laughs> um, yeah. No. So sometimes we'll sometimes we'll do stuff through Boom or with Boom, right? Uh, sometimes we're just on our own because we have a dance company that we work with, um, Samba AZ Dancers. Oh, with cool. uh, Angelique, who's awesome. So uh, you know, we'll do, we'll do stuff and, and then we'll do stuff on our own, you know, well, some, somebody will call me and we'll, I'll book it, you know, and, uh, the MIM, the musical instrument museum, which you need to come to Phoenix, you need to come visit and you need to go there. Okay. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. The people there, I love all of them and they've been really good to me and, and my, the groups I'm, I've been involved with over the years. Um, but, uh, they'll hire us, you know, they'll have a Brazilian theme you know, and they'll hire us, you know, so there's a couple of Brazilian groups in town as far as like bands and it's like a bossa nova group and, you know, a couple of solo artists cool. and so they'll kind of hire out a bunch of things. They'll do some talks, you know, this guy, Daniel Piper, he's one of the curators and he's like the Latin American curator. And so he'll do a talk about Madoka too, because he's, you know, he's studied and spent some time doing like academic type research, you know, on in Brazil, which is awesome. So he's like genius, you know. Scott, um, Scott Kettner's so been tour. there, right? Scott Kettner's been there. We've mm-hmm. played with Scott Kettner at the MIM with my kids. Mm-hmm. Fun. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah. So uh, yeah, it's cool. So they have concerts in the big hall and then they also just do events, you know, outside, inside in different areas. So, um, you know, they'll hire my group, you know, so we'll get to do, you know, they'll hire me for Caribbean stuff for, you know, we'll do Puerto Rican stuff. They'll hire me for Samba stuff. And um, and we'll try and change it up every once in a while the last time they hired us i said no metal drums <laughs> um <laughs> mm-hmm. you know like, you know we just you know we do so much metal drums you know throughout the year uh so we're like no metal drums we're tired of playing metal drums we love it but we just want to do something else mm-hmm. um so we played maraca too we did some uh Ije Shah, we played some like um some like uh Condomblé patterns just kind of you know modeling some things you know some of the drums like here's this you know we do it it was cool we do a little talk we say we are not experts we are not in this you know um you know we preface it you know like we are we are not practicing you know people but here's this really amazing style of music you know from brazil we want to we want to present it to you and do it to the best we can you know um and not attempt to do things we are not able to do or you know so we, you know, we uh, try and get a wide, a wide array of things, and so it's fun. Yeah, I have, I have a, got,
0: oh, oh, Go ahead, Diana. I have a couple of questions. Um, one, go. what's the background behind the name? Why did you pick? Uh,
2: oh. Cavallo. <laughs> well, Cavallo means horse. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's uh, and the school I used to teach at Dobson High School, mm-hmm. we were the Mustangs, ah. and since I started the group, sort of when I was there, right? So I had been, t- I had taught Brazilian drumming when I was adjunct faculty at the community college. I had a, a world percussion class. So in the in the fall, we we do Cuban stuff. In the spring, we do Brazilian stuff. And I had 20 something people in that class. It was awesome. Um, so then I was like, I, I needed an outlet to continue doing that. Cause I was like, once I left that gig, I was like, uh, you know, I was like, I was missing it. So we were able to um, get a hold of some Brazilian drums. We, we had some money. So we bought some Brazilian drums. Um, and we started the group really at the high school to get rid of what was the trash can group at the high school. We play trash can stuff at assemblies. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't want to do that anymore. It's so overdone, you know? So I was like, let's do something that I have this, you know, knowledge base in, and this interest in that's absolutely awesome. And it's world music, it's cultural, it's super diverse. And, um, so we, we did that. So it started through the school and then a community group sort of came out of that. Mm -hmm um since we were the mustangs i was like oh and that's where the blue color came from because dobson was blue and gray Mm -hmm. was the color so like the whole everything just had to like fit into the high school because that's where it started Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and uh so we're like all right let's just call it samba g cavallo you know we're like okay cool that's great so like the horse samba um but i think it i always say i think it should be samba Do cavallo as opposed to g cavallo um but I think we we're, we just leave it because it's too late to change it. Yeah, now. right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's it's uh, like Samba Jihoda, right? It's like it's the wheel Samba, right? Or The circle Samba, right? We're like th- we are the horse Samba, like as if the horse has a Samba that it does, right? I think like the way I understand the language. So like I think I I made the name incorrect, but it's too late. Samba
0: or the of horse, the, or the sound yeah,
2: samba of horse, yeah, the
0: sound. Of a horse or something like that.
2: Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> that, that we took from. um We actually have a break that we took from the end of the fight song at, at Dobson. You know, uh, nice. Bahka, you know, like a like an ending, like a little drum uh tag to the mm-hmm. end of the fight song. So mm-hmm. if, if I do a hand signal, which is like hang loose, um that's our hand signal, and it's the it's the DHS. You know. Um, it's the Cavallo like gallop break, mm-hmm. you know? Cool. So, you know, that's, uh, that's how we, we try and tie it in.
0: <laughs> nice. Now, my second part was, um, you mentioned before that you, uh, work with, uh, with Angelique. Can you talk a little bit about the Samba Queen competition that you guys are a part of as well?
2: It's pretty much the best thing ever. Um, <laughs> and the worst thing ever, uh, you know, and everybody, anybody that's ever done it, you know, knows, and some of our friends, I, I, I I assume you've at, at least interviewed Amy. Yes. Um, okay, so she's I'm not she's sure we talked play. about that
1: though, did
0: we?
2: No. Oh, um, I, think
0: I I think I've just maybe. seen pictures and like yeah. yeah. And Devin's gone and Dev yeah.
2: Devin, gone. Dev, yeah. and Devin and Amy. Devin. Mm-hmm. Devin's been out like almost every year since we've invited. Well, them. there's pictures
0: of him on
1: the the boom. Him and Amy both yeah. on on the yeah. boom website. I was like, hey. I'm
2: sure. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So Samba Queen is amazing we didn't get to do it this year uh which was a bummer but angelique basically puts that on and it's 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 really you know it's a chance you know to showcase dancers and showcase like some high level talent in dancing um so it's evolved over five years a lot um uh there's a, a deep history on that but uh it's super fun and it's a long night and it's you know anywhere from 40 to 60 dancers and I'm so happy! Oh, wow. I don't have to play hepaniki anymore. We finally trained enough people, and like <laughs> I have this this awesome group. And actually, my whole hepaniki section was women, which was awesome. Oh, nice! Um, and uh, you know, my former student and friend Dana, uh, who was leading the group all night, making all the calls. It was great. 60 so dancers dancers—that's a lot. Sometimes, yeah, I got to I got to go play tambourine all night last time. So it was awesome. <laughs> um, I was so tired of playing hepaniki. So it's it started five, six years ago, Angelique was like, we're going to do this thing. And at the time, uh, uh, Grupo Liberdade was around with, with Porangi and, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Samuel Peña was in that group. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I'm trying to think anybody else from camp. I think it would have just been them. Um, and, uh, so we were all playing in that group, a bunch of other, uh, folks. And it was basically like a mini batteria, like seven of us and a keyboard player, <laughs> which w- w- was one of two guys <laughs> in town. Um, and and it was keyboard right hand, bass left hand, and <laughs> songs. And and our friend Amanda would sing in it sometimes. And then Porangi was like, you know, like the, the leader of the group.
1: Wait, are you Super playing fun. a show or are you playing along to the dancers competing? Like so, you're...
2: so it's 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 evolved. So basically what it used to be was um like the first year we had no idea what we were doing. We're like, we're just gonna play samba all night. We're like, okay. You know, like we're dying. We were on a <laughs> clock, so like, like Por- it was what we knew was it, they would parade in, right? They and slow. We do slow samba and then fast samba, mm-hmm. right? You know, mm-hmm. so like, you know, and that's what it was, off and on for sixty dancers, right? Yeah. So that's um, a lot of so stopping we'd play, and starting. Yeah. Yeah. So we play slow samba, and Porangi had his iPad out with a t- countdown on it, and it was like thirty seconds slow, and he would call us in, and then he'd call us out. And then he'd call us in again, you know, and we'd go into like some and Heydu, and it was like a minute straight uh, of, and then he'd call us out and it was all like just a guessing game, like kind of looking over across the stage, like, like you get the big eyes from him, and we're like, okay, cool. <laughs> and then like he wouldn't call. We're like, okay, cool. And then like, he'd give you like a head nod. We're like, okay, cool. And then he'd call it and we're like, okay, we got it. You know, we're safe. Um, and it was like this big game all night. It was super fun. Right. And it kept everybody on their toes, but like, it was just samba, so like uh, this guy mm-hmm. Mike de La torre and I, we were like playing G pratinelas. So we were playing tambourine, like back and forth all night, like burning, like just dying our chops, like trying to play, you know, cajetero all night on on Forearms tambourine. are like,
1: burned out, yeah, yeah,
2: like dying, right? <laughs> trying to figure it out, you know, and and you know, like. Porangi was on Hepaniki, like by himself, you know, like, yeah. uh, you know, we had like two people or three people on surdus, depending if we, you know, either two or three doubling and covering stuff and like one Kaisha player. Right. So it was small. <laughs> so then like, I think the second year I was like, dude, Purangi, like, let's, let's make this easier on everybody. So like, was, like we got, I got all these students. Right. So we started bringing in students of mine that were in high school or maybe had just graduated um oh they probably loved that too yeah yeah like we're having like 16 17 18 year old kids (laughs) playing on this gig with us um and uh you know getting them into a bar essentially you know (laughs) they they get the x on the hand and a a different colored wristband um (laughs) so we started having them play and it filled out the battery and just made everything easier you know And then it slowly evolved. And then Porangi, after, you know, like, uh, Group of has since sort of disbanded. It'd be great to do, like, a, you know, uh, a comeback show at some point and just put something together. But Porangi's like killing it. He's doing his thing. You know, he started developing his solo project, um, and all his, like, health, uh, you know, healing music stuff, which is awesome. Uh, it's great when we get a chance to, when he's streaming, we get a chance to check it out. Um, but you know he's touring. He's always doing these retreats. So he he became so incredibly busy, you know. Um, and he kind of went off and did did his thing. And uh, so, hey buddy, what's up? Sorry, I have a child. <laughs> okay, can you? He ask, has a child that's
1: like old enough to talk. He has he's two. And a half. I know, but I think I've only seen the pictures of the babies, like when yeah. they're babies. Yeah,
2: the, the baby's two and a half, and he is four and a half. Okay, so and okay, he's bothering half. mom right now. Yeah. He's, it's wild. He's, he's hyper-intelligent and he got on the roof the other day. Oh my God. Um, we'll home, luckily, but he got on the roof and we well, what were you going to do up there? And he goes, oh, I was going to share a cookie with my buddy Anderson. And then we were going to play tag. <laughs> on the roof. Oh my God. On the roof. Yeah. So, um, sorry, I, I, I digress. So yeah, back to like Samba Queen. So like, you know, um, so Porangi, you know, kind of got busy and, and it just got to this point where like, we weren't, doing liberdade anymore um the Bateria kind of like kinda quasi disbanded in a sense and you know, it was more that of that a local thing right
0: away. just kind of yeah, an arizona yeah, thing
2: yeah and i think at the second year maybe it was after i went to camp because when mm-hmm. i went to camp in 2015 i stayed in the tent it was me and destiny from arizona um who was a former student from like 0304 mm-hmm. at dobson like way back in the day so she's much closer to my age than some of these other former students um but then uh, we stayed in the tent with Port Anghi and Ashley. So like mm-hmm. we were living together for a week and, um, you know, like we had these conversations like, dude, you know, I was like, I just met all these people. Like I met Devin and I'm you know, and I met Amy and like, like let's bring these people out, you know, for Samba Queen. So we started, you know, cause it's only like two months later after camp. So like by year two, I think by 2015, we were bringing people out and bringing students in and then it just kept evolving. So then eventually what it turned into was, um, I started creating an arrangement. Uh, so we do like a slow Samba thing and it just layers in and four bar four bar phrases. So it's the same every time it's, we hit it. Yeah, right I was going to say, it has to be the two. same
1: every time to make it fair, right? Every For the time. dancers. Yeah. yeah. So
2: what we do, we have the recording. So the dancers have the exact recording that we're going to play all ah, night. I see. So, because it used to just be like open Samba. And when we would call the ending, we would call the ending and that was it. And nobody, it was like, so, and it wasn't like they could choreograph real oh, specific uh-huh. thing. I see. It was just open, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they just had to have enough material to fit in a minute, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so Now it's it's evolved into an arrangement. Um, so it's a full on, we do, you know, chamada, and then we do a subida, and then there's a tambourine de zeno, which is, one of them's 12, one of them's eight, and then there's an outro. So, and it's, so we do tempo 92, slow samba, four bar phrases, and it layers in, and it's the same. All night um and then there's a call out right at the end and it's always in the same place you know so the dancers know what to expect and then um we do uh whatchamacallit so we get into it and we we do like some hey right sort of you know real style full-on like arrangement you know and uh, a couple breaks and it's about forty-five seconds long, and it's at tempo. I think one twenty-eight or one thirty-two. Like it's like specific, and we'll we'll, we'll pull out that uh, live BPM app, and we throw that on the floor during the right, game right. to like to and make sure we're not overplaying it, you know, um, and giving everybody you know an equal chance. But uh, so so now the dancers have these recordings of these arrangements. So they come in, and prepare, the dancers yeah. that win, they, the dancers that win, I can call all the top ten dancers every time because it's like the like what they, they catch the breaks, mm-hmm. you know, they, they booty drop on something mm-hmm. or they catch the hip hop break or they, they catch a, just to stop with the happy Niki lick. You know, they, they stop dead in their tracks and like do a real strong pose or something. And so like they've choreographed the dancers a that are winning, Yeah. Or yeah, they've, they've, they've practiced, yeah. they've choreographed. Yeah. And so they're coming in, they're demonstrating their skills at a really high level as well as their choreography skills, you know, which has been fun to watch sure. how 60 different people interpret what we're doing. Sixty. So the, yeah, the dancers, yeah, the dancers that win, pretty much catch the brakes by design so we have an easier version so the slow one's the same and then we have an easier version which we created for like 2017 and then 2019 well 2018 i wrote it but we didn't use it so then 2019 we had two arrangements so we played slow fast easy for intermediate and men's and then the pro level we played slow fast with a harder fast arrangement and like we played it mangata style which was super fun so the surdos were different Mm -hmm. um so it was like a total like I mean, mangeta is super funky, right? You know, just like when you hear it, it's like, oh, that's such a departure from the norm, mm-hmm. you know? So we wrote it mangeta style with mangeta kaisha. Um, and uh we uh, we put like a I think I like transcribed like a little mangeta like funk breakdown, um, like a little four bar funk breakdown um that's coming out of the Disenno and it's like and all the girls catch it and it's awesome to see. You're like, Yes, they did it, you know, and they all know what's coming. That's cool, you know um so and that and the the uh the tambourine design was way harder in that when we started putting triplet licks like big it about big it about you know like just real fast triplet stuff in there just trying to make it as challenging as possible for no other reason than to make it hard um,
1: <laughs> when uh people when when people want to enter the competition as a dancer do they have like a they have to like submit an audition tape or how do people no, enter no.
2: you could do, uh next year so samba queen 2021 there you go courtney you can here. enter <laughs> <say> diana <laughs> courtney, <laughs> courtney and Diana, um, you, you just sign up we're gonna you do know, a Ange duet yeah yeah you could do a group they have they actually have group and you could do a group with with a track or you can request samaji cavallo to be your backing track for you and we could do that um <laughs> but uh so yeah you just sign up Anj has a website and you sign up for group uh, which is usually, you know, people have their own, uh, audio tracks cut up and, you know, mixed, um, that they bring. So like, uh, Gisela, I think from LA, she'll bring, she'll bring, uh, her student groups out, um, you know, from her, her dance studio, um, cool. you know, and then Ange, Ange has a bunch of, you know, a lot, a lot of our girls, um, dance. And then, uh, I don't, we have one like pro level male dancer, um so I don't think he does any, of the, he might do any of the groups. And sometimes we have like a Melandro group, you know, sometimes we just have the fire squad and they just are in all red and it's awesome. Right, you know? right, right. Um, so it's cool to see. And, and because of that influence that, um, uh, Anina has, you know, um, the, you know, a lot of people are coming in tr- dancing Melandro stuff. you know, yeah. awesome to see, you know? So sometimes there's Melandro groups, sometimes there's, you know, the things, and there's like the all male group from LA they come out and, uh, they're, they're awesome and they kill it, cool. uh, which I think are her students. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's super fun. So, yeah, you could sign up, Courtney, Diana, you go for it. Or you can come down and play in about the Di- media, Diana's the
1: dancer in, the, in this yeah, operation. Yeah, yeah, we'll, <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay, cool. We'll
0: pass on the samba. So, <laughs> no, I'm not Diana, a samba dancer.
2: <laughs> so, but uh, you can come down and play. You know, this is your official invite. Um, <laughs> Sweet. But uh, so, like, we do that. And so the intermediate and the men get one arrangement and then we implemented. Like a newer, a little more difficult arrangement with a little more breakdowns to try and really give the the pro level um, dancers like just another Some like stuff hey to work let's with, turn yeah. it up mm-hmm. yeah like because you've done this one two times already if you've competed so it's like here's a new one like let's let's turn up the heat yeah. you know and, did and Lauren
1: awesome. Lauren uh, Lauren has been down
2: she's she has been competed. did she
1: win it last year or last time it happened she,
2: I don't think she no won, that but was she for the tambourine.
0: that was for the samba um, congress oh she's yeah. won that a couple times okay yeah
2: she did not i think she was a finalist the year she came out but she came out she killed it she, she i sent her the tambourine designio oh that's right and she, she played
0: i remember seeing and that she video
2: came out with the tambourine and played all <laughs> yeah. the, the played awesome. the whole and the designer with us and then <laughs> dropped it and then danced like killed it it was awesome and she's then awesome. Awesome. another one of our dancers who had studied a little bit with us kind of came out with the tambourine and played a little bit too it was, cool. it was awesome so it, it's it's been super really amazing for the community right because yeah. it's like we get to meet you know we see our dancers a lot when, when, with gigs when we play dance classes so we have a really good connection with all these amazing people right mm-hmm. that's but so it's cool been awesome mm-hmm. to meet the other teachers and to to meet yeah, the other dancers right. from la or san diego yeah, wherever they're yeah. coming from you know um when well, you, you have Utah, some monsters you know.
1: coming in to play with you i mean like devin and amy and and dev and i mean are, those guys and, can
2: are, are no joke freaking roll yeah <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So Dev, Dev, Amy, Devin, they're no joke. Um, I'm trying to think, is anybody else? I think that's it. I think it's just them three. Um, And yeah, I'm always like hitting them up. Like you got to come out, you know, but (laughs) I want to do something like that up
1: here. I mean, I'm, I'm not a dancer, but I'd love to do something like that here in Portland. Mm -hmm. That'd be really cool.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's fun. So long story short, you know, we were playing. So when I was doing the arrangements, even the newer side, even the newer arrangements, right. So I was playing hepiniki all night leading the group because, you know, when you're the leader, you often play hepiniki because that's where all the calls come from, Mm -hmm. you know. (laughs) Um, So I would play hepiniki. I was leading the group all night. And of course, I'm on microphone, but, you know, it's like you have to, like, project Mm -hmm. your dominance a little bit sometimes Mm -hmm. within your own group. So, like, I would get home and take ibuprofen and (laughs) ice my hands and the nights, the years that I didn't. I'd I'd wake up on Sunday, I'd go play my church gig on Sunday with like a swollen left hand that could barely hold a drumstick just from beating the heck out of my left hand on a metal drum all night, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was that's fun. So I've learned I take ibuprofen beforehand and after, and I ice my hands during the gig. I literally I go to the bar, like, can I get a glass of ice? <laughs> oh, <laughs> interesting. Like, what do you mean? And just like, hold I just it. A glass <laughs> yeah. of ice. Just I hold it or I just stick my hand in it, you know. Hmm. um so that's been fun but uh we've <laughs> so been training been we've been training up a lot of people right because i mean it's a lot it's a long time to play right hard playing hard because you got you have to you, you can't just get into that vibe of like oh we're just kind of here playing for a long time and you can kind of like weaken up on your sound like it's like you have to give it mm-hmm. the same amount of every energy 100 yeah, percent energy sure. every sure. single dancer deserves that right right Um, you know, whether they're from our home company or they're from L.A. or from Utah or from Portland or San Diego or wherever. It's like every single dancer deserves the best energy and sound and volume we can give. So, yeah, it gets hard. So this year I got or last year, really, I got to play tambourine with like seven people. It was awesome. So, yeah, we trained up some heppaniki players, so I didn't have to do it anymore. Nice. And uh, I just had a uh, grand old time dancing and choreographing my our own dances in the top section. Yeah.
1: Cool. <laughs> so, I want you... to ask you. Amy,
2: She's the catalyst for that.
1: Sorry. Um, I want to ask you about you're one of the, you and I had talked before, I think the pandemic like a year and a half ago or so. And I was curious, I was really impressed with what you're doing with um, you're able to, I'm pretty sure it's through, you have so many things going. Samba Cavallo, and you, you're able to pay and you've got like, Oh, what do you call it? Like not a producer, but you've got somebody that calls you for a lot of gigs uh, for retreats or something. And then you're able to like pay most of your players pretty well for, for playing gigs. I don't know if anybody else in the country. I'm, I mean, there might be other people doing it, but I don't know if anybody else doing that that's able to actually play, yeah. play people, pay people. Ugh, I can't talk, pay your members pretty well for
2: performances. It, it has evolved, um, but yeah, it's, we, we have figured out a way to monetize it, um, which, you know, it's like, for me, like, you know, I'm a professional gigging musician, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, if, you know, if I'm doing all of these things for free all the time, you know, it's like, eh, that's a lot of time for free. Yeah, kids go um, hungry. And, and yeah, so, <laughs> um, so it, we monet, we've monetized it a, a number of ways, right? So like, one way is, um, I'm trying to think, uh, like the mem. Right. So mm-hmm. the men might call the instrument museum and they're like, Hey, we want to do this thing. I'm like, okay. So I give them a rate. I just, well, you know, I, and we just, you know, sometimes like that's too much. I'm like, okay, here's a different rate. There's going to be two less players on the gig, you know? Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we, we've learned to try and like find some minimums for what we need to pay people. Um, certain gigs pay more, you know, a corporate gig will always pay more than like, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, your corporate or wedding type gig will always pay more than, a community type thing or an event venue, you know, that's uh, just doing like a show, you know, like, like the MIM, you know, so, um, unless we're like a big headlining act. Right. Um, but, uh, so that's, that's one way the MIM has been so amazing, uh, just to me, I, um, I, I cannot, you know, there, somebody will hear this from the MIM. Um, but like, I always say, like, I'm so grateful for that, uh, connection mm-hmm. and that, that all those experiences that they've offered to me. So sometimes it's. Um, bringing my group and just playing for something sometimes it's
1: typically how long uh, like you know me. like 20 minutes uh, yeah, an I hour mean, or
2: what are you doing well if we're, if we're performing when we did the the no metal drums performance it was a 45 minute performance uh-huh. um we did a an event called hear them ring right at christmas time and since they love me and my group they're like we want you to come out what can you do about the ring i was like oh, we'll bring a bunch of cowbells so i wrote like a little cowbell like arrangement thing um and we we played probably played maraca too. And we had a gongue and I don't know. Um, and that like Mark Lampson was in town for that. So, uh, you know, actually I don't think we made any money. We just paid him. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but he was in town doing workshops and we had him out for that. And my friend Amanda came out. Um, uh, she was in town for that as well. Uh, so she came and sang with us. We did like some Ivechi Sangalo stuff, you know, um, which was cool. And then Mark, Mark was with us and we killed it. So sometimes it's a gig like that. Sometimes it's just me giving a workshop. You know, sometimes it's very Brazilian. Sometimes it's like very recreational drumming, you know, gotcha. with also having surdues in the room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, and it just depends on uh, on the crowd. So we try and gear what we do towards what the crowd wants or what the event is. And, you know, knowing that we're not going to be able to teach Samba and Heidu. To a bunch of beginners right and have it sound good so we 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 adapt you know we, we say here's here's what it is here's where it's from we you know we we do our best to to teach about it and what it is and and to, to we also let people know when you know this is an adapted part you know i mean here's how we're going to make this work mm-hmm. we, we we always give credit to do do in workshops because Doo do stuff is so funky and feels good to play mm-hmm. and has a lot of real straight-ahead rhythms that you can adapt and teach to community groups. Mm-hmm. So we we always use the Dudu groove, and we always give him credit, and we say, "I learned this from Dudu Fuentes in Brazil camp, and he's totally amazing. And you should check him out. And he's got all these groups he's a part of, and this is like a portion of this one thing he taught me that I absolutely love, and it works so well. Um, so you know, we adapt stuff like that, and you know, always always give credit when credit's due. <laughs> um, you know, but, uh, and then we just make stuff up, you know, (laughs) sometimes what we just need, okay, this isn't working. Let's just play some funk, you know, um, people are happy, but, uh,
1: but you also have kind of the corporate, like they do retreats there or something. Like it's pretty common for big corporations to go to Arizona.
2: Yeah. Well, we live in Phoenix, right? So we have this crazy resort, um, economy, right? We have more golf courses than we know what to do with in the Phoenix area. Right. And resorts, amazing resorts, amazing properties, Um, amazing views, amazing restaurants. You know, like when my wife and I go out to dinner to a nice restaurant, we're more than likely going to one of the resorts. Like that's how you go to a nice restaurant Mm -hmm. here. There isn't just like, I mean, there are downtown, but like, there isn't just like, Oh, let's go to this fancy restaurant downtown. It's like, no, let's go to XYZ resort because they have this amazing, you know, five-star, you know, Michelin star restaurant, you know? Um, So there's that. And because the weather's great all winter, you can come here anytime from October to now. It's a hundred degrees today. Um, It's hot. Um, (laughs) We're going swimming. Um, But um, anytime between October and usually April, you know, spring training in March brings a lot of people. So there's always corporate events. People always want to leave Portland or New Jersey Mm -hmm. or Chicago in the winter and come here
3: Mm
2: -hmm. um, for vacation or for events. Um, So there's always something. So boom gets a ton of gigs in town sometimes it's just drumline or marching band because of a lot of corporate uh, corporate retreats, right? They come here, they have their annual sales meetings and the CEO talks and, yeah, yeah. you know, and then there are every meetings all day and then they have their wrap-up party and it's a big, you know, sometimes it's just, a sometimes it's a dance party. Sometimes it's just an open bar and it's a O'Dour's hang, you know? Um, and so we, we do anything.
1: And a lot of that is through Boom then.
2: Sometimes, sometimes it's through Angelique. Um, gotcha. Uh, you know, very, I'm not tied in with all the booking agents right mostly because angelique and boom are mm-hmm. so I, i'm just like well they don't need a third person who can continue to offer them all the same stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> right mm-hmm. so i'm tied in in other areas right workshops school communities you know the mem right um so i kind of yeah, stay out cool. of the trying to trying to have <laughs> like uh you know a press kit and trying to bug all the all the booking agents in town like i let angelique i let mike rochelle do that and If they, you know, if if they want samba drumming and they call Mike, cool, we do it. If they want samba drumming and they call Angelique, but they don't want dancers, Angel toss it to me. They're secondarily Um,
1: connected. mm -hmm. That's cool. I think that's a good like next step for a lot of people to reach for. Like a lot of people in in the U.S. to have a viable, um, Mm -hmm. like economically, I guess, or financially viable group is to kind of get roped in with into something like that.
2: I think that's exactly how we do it yeah yeah interesting sometimes they want dancers and sometimes they don't want drummers sometimes they want dancers and they have extra budget and we go with three drummers like we go to vegas all the time and we only can bring three drummers Hmm, hmm. um you know what does that uh, look like then uh hibiki kaisha one surdu Hmm. and uh the one surdu player is playing any variation of all three parts at one given time Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know muffle open or sure, muffle sure. cutter you know or whatever just you sometimes just you know hand two hand four you know can you bring a stand um, so
1: could you bring stands and or is it like a moving you got to be able to
2: sometimes the parade gigs yeah. sometimes they're not yeah if it's a trio and it's a parade gig we're bringing three drums on three drums with legs uh-huh. um so it'll still be kaisha hippeniki and, and three surdus. um if it's a stands, you know if it's a standstill gig yeah we'll bring those legs if it's a parade gig we have to bring you know one surdo and that's all we can do so we have to make it work and it's fine it's usually it's usually in a like a small area so it's boomy and it's it's plenty of drums yeah Um, that's cool yeah sometimes i uh,
1: don't want the super you know ridiculously loud
3: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: yeah
1: ear assault so it's it's cool
2: yeah so that's kind of what we do you know mark Mm -hmm. lamson mark hired me for a gig um he had me drive i met his dancers in um what's that uh palm desert yeah so i drove so they drove his dancers drove from san diego um to uh to palm desert and i drove from phoenix to palm desert and he only needed me to play two Surdus and hipponiki in my left hand like solo right so, like, <laughs> and then, but i brought i brought two of my players with me just for the drive i was like "Yo, yeah, I'll, I'll give you like 50 bucks if you just come with me for the drive or i'll buy you dinner or something They're like yeah okay because it was like a four-hour drive to play mm-hmm. for like 20 minutes to then get in a car and drive home again Mm -hmm. I was like okay (laughs) um so that's kind of you know that's most of our gigs it's either at the MIM or a lot of the resorts corporate stuff weddings like literally um I played my first like gig gig outside of like something that I'd done that was sort of moderately steady you know um so my first like hired gig last night and it was a samba it was a wedding so it came through Angelique they didn't want a dancer so she tossed it to me. So we hired drummers. And then I actually convinced them that they should hire a dancer. So um, we were able to bring one of our dancers with us, which always makes it, right? It's always a lot more fun sometimes oh, yeah. when you have mm-hmm. that dancer. Oh, yeah. Because they could lead, They could use their hands. They could use their mouth because they're not drumming, you know? It's like, you know, so they, they could gesture and grab people differently and get people dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, Interactively, the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all things you can't do when you have a drum strapped around your, you know, your shoulders and you're using both your hands to play it, you know? Um, so... And uh, so it was cool. So we got to do a wedding last last night. Was that No, Friday night. Today's Sunday. So Friday night, um, which was awesome. And, uh, and because the bride was Puerto Rican as well, they wanted like samba drums. So I was like, okay. But the bride was Puerto Rican. So I was like, cool. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to parade people from the dining hall area to outside for the dance party. But in the meantime, we're also going to bring our bariles and we're going to play some bomba. And I'm going to teach your husband, who's not Puerto Rican, how to dance bomba for a quick nice. second. So I had this whole <laughs> little bomba dance thing going and we played like two songs. And so basically a lot of my crew, um, we all cross train, right? So this goes, and this goes back to why everything, like why we pay people. Cause we often are having professional or semi-professional really, really well-trained musicians working with our group. Um, not only in the bomba group, but also in the samba group. Um, as well as I do all my classes for free. I don't, I don't charge one, I, I did mm. for a while but then i stopped so when, when we're doing samba sessions or we're going to start monica two next week i'm super stoked um uh, or bomba we're doing bomba on monday nights um i don't i don't charge mm. right so it's all about creating a community that way and that's how I, I at least i believe that i'm able to keep and really hold on to some really high level players um because they're not having to pay to come and just drum through some really awesome stuff right um so, and then, and, and then with the notion that there's always going to be a gig. So they know if they're coming and they're training and they're drumming, there's always going to be a gig. They'll get called at least once a year for a gig and it'll be worth it. Hmm. You know? Um, So hmm. that's, that's one of the things I've kind of like built into how we do it. It's like, okay, we get gigs. So I make money when we get gigs. Right. So they make money when we get gigs. So I'm not just going to keep taking that money back from them. <laughs> you know, that's, and that's just me. Right. Cause we only meet once a week. It's, you know, if we were like, training you know in a studio and had classes like if we had like legit beginner classes which we don't have oh i see so I you're not would, doing super chart. beginner oh, okay no, everybody comes in yeah. straight out of drum line yeah. everybody comes in with chops. i don't mm. have to teach anybody mm-hmm. how to hold a That's stick nice. or how to hit a drum it's here's your pattern play okay cool thank you for playing that now here's how it really is supposed to sound with the swing mm-hmm. listen to this group go home listen to this youtube link check out this group um so we're coming in so my kaisha players I'm not teaching them how to hold a play stick. an accent pattern or hold a stick, you right? Yeah. I'm teaching my Kai'Sha players how to swing, cool. you know? Oh, that's cool. Miki um, players don't have to learn how to play triple beat on one hand mm-hmm. and then a slap on the left hand, right? Mm-hmm. They just, they can do it. They, they don't have to learn how to do it. They could just do it. And what they have to learn is how to do it really well and swing um, and get the rim shots in the right place. And um, so that's, and that's, to me, it's it's what I need to be fulfilled, right? Like, that's what I need in my life is higher level stuff, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> um, yeah. Um, now, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong <laughs> with beginners. Like, I love teaching beginners. It's just we've had beginners come through our group from time to time, and I, I they disappear pretty quick. And I feel like um, we try and encourage them as best as we can, but I also feel that they very quickly realize sometimes they're out of their league mm-hmm. with the skill levels that are there, and they're just like, everybody here is so good, like you know, like there's, there's, there's no opportunity for me to like really learn how to do this because there's, there's no time. We're, we're just, we're playing repertoire from, you know, right out of the gate. And we
1: you're pulling all in. those people who know how to play from, from. Everywhere. From Former your, your, your from school program, school. from um, the university from, university, from Grand Canyon yeah, University. Grand Canyon,
2: yeah you know, with Paul. Yeah. So. I want to yeah, ask you about that too, by the way. Go for it. That's wild. That's a whole thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So you met, Paul, when he was doing his PhD at Arizona State, is that right? Is that what you said? You mentioned him earlier um, and
2: No, Paul was Paul was already done. So Paul had oh, okay. finished his masters and then he he was already teaching band in professionally in town, but he was teaching the drumline at ASU. So he had just left. Oh, that's it. Okay. But he was teaching the drumline as, you know, like a adjunct, you know. Yeah. Um so that's when I met Paul and I've known him since I was eighteen, since I moved here, you know, almost twenty years.
3: Mm-hmm. So
1: yeah so and you're helping yeah, out with yeah, his so cool. he decided to start yeah. i'm assuming with your influence decided to start a, yeah. a samba Hagee group at grand canyon university
2: uh yeah i mean so yeah paul and i like we've worked together since really so we had the drumline thing and then we were doing the phoenix sun's trash can and drumline thing for a number of years oh, okay. and he was leading that that was part of that and then there was a gap where you know i didn't i didn't see or work with paul much but then he got this gcu gig and a couple of years into it he's like hey uh Talk to me about what you do, you know, with Samba and this and that. I was like, mm. well, here's what we do. Here's what it's all about. He's like, all right, what do I need to buy? So I just send him a, you know, send him a list like here, go here, buy this, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he bought it. <laughs> and uh, so he had me out and this is the fourth year we've done it and it's awesome. So it's basically his drum line. So it's a bunch of really well-trained drummers um, playing at a high level that pick stuff up really quickly, um, which again, like I look forward to the day when I could teach beginners, you know, like uh, maybe post pandemic, you know (laughs) Um, when you have to like, really like stand next to people and work with them. And, you know, like I really want to teach beginners again, but it's like, I'm teaching so many, like advanced players. It's they're, they're both really fun. (laughs) So basically it's like, I just get all these advanced drumline kids um, uh, that are just wanting to learn something else. So yeah, we, I have a whole little packet that I created for them that might be my starter kit you know and it's like it just goes through some real standard vocabulary and like samba reggae Mm. and samba and hey and then like a couple like other grooves that i had learned you know like just that were that were cool grooves right because everything i've ever learned from any teacher i've ever learned from i've transcribed (laughs) so i have documentation of everything because that's that's how who I do you are. It. That's <laughs> yeah. who I am because that's my ba- because I can, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I didn't transcribe it, I'd have to record it. Like which I know a lot of people do at camp, right? Yeah, but you just I would forget, never go back. I
1: mean, yeah, if you don't would, write it down yeah. or document it somehow, then at least yeah, for me, I, I forget it. I, you know, because yeah. you're constantly learning so much. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would never go back and listen to a recording. Like I just don't. Like it's like I've got it all on paper. So put it this way when I went to camp in twenty fifteen, I transcribed Dudu's entire class. Mm-hmm. Three within a week. I had it in Sibelius. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fully that, which, See, but you're one of those it, people who can transcribe
1: it. on the fly. So, like, for me, when the class is happening, I'm, like, writing it out. But, like, if someone is playing anything, then I get distracted and I can't remember. You know what I'm saying? I'm not at that point. Yeah. Like, you, some of you guys, yeah, just, I'm so impressed yeah, with you because you guys just stand on the side and, like, write it all out. I'm like, damn, yeah. look at them go. I, to, yeah. I have to listen. I listen to it later in my tent, and then I mm-hmm. write it out then because then I can yeah. sort of stop the recorder and write it out because, Yeah. I,
2: I don't have I that fluidity. That the hepaniki lick. Do uh Dudu taught that do go bat, bat, do go do go bat, do bat, do bat, you know, um whatever. So he taught this hepaniki lick like that just randomly went in the middle of his arrangement. Um, and that one I was like, that's cool, that's a lot. i had i got some video of that but like during camp i was like filming it and then writing it out during camp Mm -hmm. and like you know confirming it yeah but uh that that one took a little bit of homework but yeah so like basically i've got all you know i have I have everything i've ever learned i have on paper or on pdf Mm -hmm. so um and some of it i lost the original sibelius files like Dudu's file i don't have the original sibelius file because it was on my old computer that crashed um but um so so with GCU, I, you know, I have a starter pack that I only I, I don't ever give out music until after I've already taught it too. like that's kind of a whole thing too. having learned both ways. I think it's so important to just learn by ear. And in and, and, in honor of Mark Lamson, who always yells at me, he goes, stop writing. I'll write it out for you when I'm done. You know, he's always, whenever he's here, he's like, he's like, he's like, he just looks at me and he goes, get on your drum. I was like, no, I'm, I'm writing it all out. And he just, he goes, no. And he gives me like the cut sign. He's like, he goes, I'll write it out for you. You know, because he's usually staying here if he's in town. He goes, write out over breakfast. I was like, okay. So um, he yells at me when I start transcribing during class. And he's like, go play. I'm like, but I, I, I go play. Um, so but nobody else does. So I get away with it. Um, so yeah, you know, I've just learned some things and you know, I, so I, I, I like to teach that way too. I don't like people writing stuff down while I'm teaching, which is funny. Cause I hate not being able to write stuff down when I'm learning. <laughs> um, but, uh, so, uh, so I basically, I teach as much vocabulary and groove as possible. And we just go, I basically go through the packet and then after they've like learned it, it's like, cool, here's also this packet if you want to reference it, you know, so you can kind of remember. Cool. Um, and then now there's been enough critical mass and turnover in that group. Or, you know, like so I've got people who are I started it four years ago. So Ryan, Ryan Hatmaker, my man, he's graduating. So he started in that his freshman year and he's just done it for four years. Awesome. So he's bounced around. He's played Kaisha, he's played surdu he's played hepaniki, um, You know, he's played a couple different instruments in the ensemble. Um, so he he knows a bunch of the parts and he's been a really good leader in the group, you know, because there's just critical mass like freshmen show up and they're like, what are we doing? And they're like, they just know everything. I was going to say, do so, students
1: then become like the hippie bossa and kind of lead it themselves or are you leading it or? Yeah,
2: no, I, I walk away. I do usually in the fall. I do, there's like a two week window. I come out and I do anywhere from three to seven nights with them, depending on how much we need. The first year, I think I did seven or six nights. Like I would drive up there at night, at seven o'clock, eight o'clock at night, and right, yeah. you know, three, four nights in a row sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, and then come back the next week, and it was, it was so much learning, right? You know, that's a lot. Yeah. It was like, it was like camp. I was trying to bring that experience. Like we need to do this every day, and I'm just gonna, I'm, you're not gonna read anything, and I'm just gonna teach you all to you out of my brain. Um, so then, um, basically after that, you know. There's only a few because everybody was new that year. So since then, it's only like four or five new people every year, right? So there's turnover or enough mass and and not a ton of turnover, I guess. Um, So uh, everybody, the grooves just come together really quick um, because people already know it and they see it and they hear it and they they actually can put stuff together without me. My job now is like, um, you know, cleanup crew a little bit. You know, Paul has me come out to make sure we're doing it right.
1: Does he, does Paul, does Paul involved with it at all i know he's he's kind of the band director right he's directing everything so he might not have time as far
2: as i know yeah he he might be around and help give guidance but he kind of stays away Mm -hmm. uh and it's usually student run when i'm not there and uh he's running the band so it's it's super really? fun, cool. and we've really trained a lot of people through that group that continue That's to play great. in in my in in the professional group with with us. Cool, and that are playing Samba Queen, and that we're leading Hipponiki on Samba Queen. Yeah, and, cool. Um, and are getting ready to have their first official Maraca Two experience next Sunday. We start. So fun. they're really excited, and all my all my older players they love Maraca Two, so everybody's super pumped. Yeah, um,
1: awesome. Yeah, so I just want to jump in here and tell the listeners that Paul, no, Paul and I we went to high school together. So oh, cool. Yeah, i didn't know. we've known each other since we were i don't know 14 or something and did marching Crazy. band together and did college marching band together and drum corps together and so i've known, I've yeah. known paul a long time and then so i can't even remember how we figured it out but somehow we realized we that joe Probably
2: facebook right those algorithms right <laughs>
1: i guess somehow we figured out we all knew each other like through samba yeah
2: mm-hmm. yeah so. so yeah the gcu thing's been really cool um and they go and they play soccer games and, you know, usually soccer, we created it for soccer games. So they're in the stands and they play at the games and they pump everybody up and, mm-hmm. you know, we'll play, you know, they'll play like Samba and Heidu, just because it's fast and it sounds cool, you know, and we do that. We call the Rock'em Sock'em, you know, so they do like, um, uh, they do these chants, you know, and they sing all these songs that were built, that they created or they copied from other songs and put their own words to them, right? Um, and then they always like lead into something. And then all of a sudden we're like da-da-da-da-da-da-da-m suck em rock em suck'em check to check to go that's like our our like quick, easy, like hit 'em hard, get into samba, you know, without like a full on hepaniki shamada sure, and sure, all the sure. responses. It's like just three, four, rock'em, sakum, tackum, sock'em, three, skidum, kim, kid, do good, Just jumps right into it. Can you guys play so
1: like, during the so- like when do the referees kind of tell you like can you only play in between you know,
2: They could play when... anytime they want. Oh, so it's nice. NCAA, right? So there are no. That's why they have pet band, right? So in pet band, it's all has to be acoustic sounds. You can't have electric bass, I don't think, because it has to be acoustic, oh, non-controllable, right? non digitally controlled oh, music, right? Hmm. Yeah. So um, because anything, anything coming from the announcers can happen in between certain things, but there's rules for NCAA. So they we can have 500 drummers drumming at a soccer game. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and the NCAA really can't do anything. They could they could say, hey, it's a little loud, but we're not breaking any rules, right. as far as I know.
1: I, that rule's going to change at some point. <laughs> yeah. But have fun while it's <laughs> – that's awesome.
2: But it's cool, you know, and, and it's super fun. We've uh, They did soccer in the spring. Normally it's in the fall, but they did it in the spring this year. So I got to go up and start the group again this spring and kind of give do some workshops. And then I went to a game, and it was fun. Yeah, actually. and they're 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 killing it. You know, we we have a lot of I would say and they know and, and Paul knows, Paul and I had this conversation. He's like, So how much do they know? And I you know, I kinda showed him like the you know the the small gap between my thumb and my 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 first finger. I was like, This is about how much they know. And I was like, and then I gave him the big wide arms, like, this is about how much I know. And then I said I went back to the small finger. I was like, now this is about how much I know in the grand scheme of things, you know? So it's like here's where we're at. I was like, there's so much more for me to learn still. Um, and that, that process never ends, you know, but I was like, we can go so deep into so much of this stuff. There's so much, so much more repertoire yeah, and breaks and, and variations and, and groove. We, because it gets put together, I don't want to say haphazardly, that wouldn't be a good word, Um, but it gets put together quickly and they're not rehearsing constantly and they have a lot of things they do and, and they're so busy, you know, they have drum line, they have band, they yeah. have the Samba thing. It sh- it's really, it's, it's another ensemble. It's like a, it's like a pep ensemble, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Ensemble drums, you know? trying to do our best, um, but the groove can always be improved and they know, you know? So like when they come down to my class on a Sunday night, you know, and they're like, oh, okay. Like we work on swing, you know? <laughs> um, we don't really talk much about swing up there just cause we don't we don't have time to, you know? And it, it serves a different purpose, you know? It's, it's basically sure, drum line sure. on Brazilian drums with a Brazilian flair, you, know? um, you know? So we try and do it the best we can um and you know and we try and educate them and say hey here's here's what you're doing here's where you're at and here's 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 the gap that we need to really fill in at some point you know but here's here's the gap in the learning and in the teaching right now and and as long as we know that and understand that this is okay you know
1: yeah you're giving them a taste of it and they can if Uh they want to dive deeper they can no that's they can
2: come on sunday nights Uh (laughs) and a lot of them a lot of them have, and they can, and they can come play Samba Queen and a lot of them have. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, uh, it's cool. So that's kind of, that's what we do there. And and it's been super fun. Um, You know, I've been really, really fortunate to have that opportunity to go, to go do that and you know, I've got you know. Of course, I got all my ASU maroon and gold, and then you know, I got to put all my purple GCU Lopes gear on when I go up there. And
1: then you're blue you know. and white for your.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Samba blue and white. <laughs> and, although I do, although I do have my my rainbow uh, Pride Samba strap, <laughs> oh, which nice. my my son loves. My kids love Rainbow. We have a, we have a Pride flag, and I don't think they fully understand like what a Pride flag is, right? But they sure. they, they kind of do, you know. Um, but uh, they love it because it's rainbow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So, although my son just jumped and pulled on it and he ripped it off the uh, flag. He broke the flagpole. The <laughs> so, currently, we have no flag up. Um, we had the ASU flag up and then we put the pride flag up. And now there's no flag because it's broken. So
0: Hey, Joe, you mentioned a little bit um, about your Bomba group. Can you talk a little bit how you got into Bomba?
2: Yeah, yo tengo un grupo de bomba. No, um, <laughs> no, I am not going to attempt to continue the conversation in Spanish. But, uh, so, oh, uh, how did I get into bomba? Don Moyo, you could blame him. Um, uh, you know, uh, so he was my drum set teacher and sort of you know hand drumming teacher in university, and um, you know, uh, sort of started. I started exploring some of those things like just hand drumming, right? And oh there's the, all the Cuban styles, you know, okay, we can play mambo or you know, we can play son cubano and you know, there's you know, you can play, you know, uh you know, tumbao pattern, right? That's a, your your standard Cuban mm-hmm. pattern, right? Um and then i started learning ko from him and you know and and Colombia and jambu and um and then it dove and you know, we learned like very little bombos. Basically it was sika, you know, right? Which, you know, most you know, like most of us didn't really realize. You know, the pattern that makes it out of Puerto Rico often is bomba sica, because it's it fits really well in tempo and in dance bands. Like some of the other patterns just don't sound good, like in a salsa band, right? But sica mm-hmm. just feels good. You could play like da da da, da dink ding ding ding. It's got a cool bell pattern. You can play over it. It's it's you know it's syncopated enough, and it's not too fast. It's not too slow. It's not you know, um, it's, it's not in six. You know um so it works really well like in dance bands and salsa bands so that's most of like what we learn in the states it's just what we just call it bomba right mm-hmm. so like was like okay cool i don't think i learned that there were many styles of bomba and then um uh but that was like my my influence so like dom like hooked it up he's like this is cool you know and like and that was it and I was like okay cool so then you know like anything like like scott has a story about maraca too where he's like yeah i had this teacher and he's like I don't know anything about it, but this is cool. And you should check it out more. You know, it's like, <laughs> I learned, I learned one pattern. I was like, that's cool. I want to learn more, you know? So I had a, I had a band back in the day uh, towards the end of university and, and post graduating. Um, and it was like a Latin fusion funk. And, you know, I'd say like Ozomatli meets like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Like not quite Cumbia, you know, it wasn't as Cumbia as Ozomatli, mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it, I don't, it Latin jazz, a little more Latin jazz influence on it. So, um, but it was fun. Uh, and we play some Puerto Rican styles. And the singer in our group was from Puerto Rico, Jaime Bolfil, my homie. Um, and uh, so he was in town doing his master's degree and he sang in a group. And he was like, dropped this album on. He's like, You got to check out this album, Afro, uh, Afro Boricua, right? With the William Cepeda, who's an amazing mm-hmm. trombone player um from the Cepeda family. Yeah, right. and uh-huh. And, um, he also plays conch shells and he's like totally kills it. So he's got this whole crazy Afro world, Latin jazz bomba influence group in, in Puerto Rico, which is amazing. So he dropped this album on me. He's like, Whoa, that's cool. It was all like bomba and Plana. And I just, I didn't know how to consume it. You know, like it's like when you don't know, you don't know, right? Like you could listen to, you know, um, like any samba album, you know, and you just don't know what you're listening to. You know, you're like, I, I, that sounds cool, but I don't know what it is, you know? Um, until you start learning so i didn't really know how to consume it and then finally in like 2011 i think i think it was 2011 was the first time i went, I went to puerto rico with my wife who was my fiance at the time in 2007 um and then uh yeah 2007 i went to puerto rico to like a, va- a vacation spot with her mm-hmm. and her parents her parents took us down there and I bought a set of panderetas. We were driving around in this area, finding this guy who made drums, Charlie Vega. And it was cool. And I also had my buddy Beto. Somehow I had his number probably from this guy, Jaime, who I knew. So I had this other number. So we're trying to get a hold of him. I had his name and we stopped at a surf shop. And this lady's like, yeah, I I sing in his group. I was like, what? It's crazy. (laughs) Small world. Right. So like, it just never ends. Um, so then, uh, I buy these panderetas, you know, the planeras and, and, uh, I take them home and I didn't really know, you know, Charlie showed me a couple things and I, that was the end of it. I was like, okay, cool. And we played a little plane in, in my band that we have, you know, we played a little bit, we'd pull them out sometimes. Um, and then it was like a big gap, you know, I was doing my master's doing all sorts of other things. And I was teaching at the community college and, you know, uh, it was a big gap in Bomba and learning. And, and I went to Cuba in 2008 and studied a little bit there. And then uh, all of a sudden it was like 2011. I was like, I want to go to Puerto Rico. It's like I'm gonna figure it out, and I had found this guy Beto Torrens, who's like now like mi hermano, you know, like he's, you know, he's like he's. We call him Tio. He's Tio Beto. Mm-hmm. Like he, my my kids call him Tio. Like that's how he's family. Mm-hmm. Um, and he when he comes here, he stays here, and he gets woken up at like seven a.m., which never <laughs> happens, right? By from our kids, they're like rolling in on him, Tio, <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, so. I, I literally, like I've been following him on MySpace <laughs> um,
3: <laughs>
2: pre-Facebook, right? Facebook was new, but I follow, I started following it. Like he had a group, uh, Rumba Bahura, and he lived on the West side in Isabella. Um, and I saw him on MySpace and he had some recordings up. I was like, that's cool. So I literally, I reached out to him on either MySpace or I found his email through his MySpace account, rasbeto at gmail.com. Send him an email, um, which is literally Rasta Beto because like, he used to have dreads and he played in like a samba uh bayanga was the name of the group, like a samba, reggae, like funk, Puerto Rican influence group um, back in the day. Um, and, you know, he had crazy long dreads like back in the day and total, you know, studying Brazil too. like long story. Like we're like, I don't want to say we're the same person, but like we are like we're like brothers for sure. Um, and uh, so I reach out to him. I was like, hey, I'm coming. I want to come down to Puerto Rico and study Bomba. He's like, what? You want to come here and study Bomba with me? You know, I was like, yeah. It's like, okay, let me know when you're here. So we, you know, we stayed in communication and I went, I stayed in this Airbnb. Well, no, it was a hostel, San Juan hostel. And it was in like, it was in a housing projects unit. Like I didn't know at the time, like this isn't somewhere, like it was not a neighborhood. Most Americans would feel comfortable walking in. And I was like, yeah, this is cool, like doing my thing. You know, there were like armed police officers with like AK 47s, like on mm-hmm. the street corner. Like when you come downstairs in the morning, you're mm-hmm. like, oh, hey, what's up? You know, it was wild, right? Um, and you know, it was just a house. Like this guy, Fernando, turned, he bought a housing project, right? They, I guess they got sold off to private ownership and he bought a third floor apartment and turned it into a hostel. <laughs> It was the cheapest place I could stay, you know, we were like, we were so helped my wife and I were super house poor in 2011. So I was like, just getting the Puerto Rico was a, an expense enough. Um, I didn't rent a car. So I had to call him every time I needed to go anywhere. I walked around. I walked through this neighborhood all the time. I walked everywhere, um, you know, two in the morning, walking home, people like you know, clearly like selling drugs on the street. Like, you know, nobody bothered you. It was cool. Like I just, Hey, what's up? Good evening. You know, walk like so clueless, like totally clueless to what was even happening. Um, but like, so that's how that happened. And like, he tells the story, like he goes, man, I, you know, I told him where I was staying. He drives into this neighbor and he goes, Oh man, like, it's like, this guy's crazy because I think I'm going to like this guy, yeah. you know, like he's staying here to come study with me. Like, okay. So, I, you know, I started studying Bombo with him and, and through that relationship went down again another year and then a couple years later went down and, and started studying with more teachers and um, we've brought people here and uh, started a group here and it's been a, a, a much longer journey, I think, than Brazilian drumming because I think the access was more difficult mm-hmm. uh, because mm-hmm. Brazilian drumming, you can do as long as you have 13 drummers or four drummers. Or, and you know you don't have to have songs right because there's so much involved with the drumming and there's breaks and you could learn a lot and transcribe and and you know study with people and there's so many different grooves and we also had the dancers and we do gigs that way so it was like a different access point for us and it was a little it was already a little established too because uh you know porangi had been here doing a uh, Liberdaji. I had I had learned from Julie Hill I had a group at the community college before I was even in Liberdaji. Um, and so like it was it was already sort of established We're like there there's no bomba here you know um in phoenix and there there's a bunch of puerto ricans but like i have always wanted to start a group but the problem is like you can't really do bomba without dancers and then you also can't do bomba without songs like otherwise you're playing with 10 people playing the same pattern for 10 minutes straight and you're like okay what's next (laughs) you know like you you'd absolutely like samba is amazing with song samba is amazing with parades and floats and dancers but samba also is amazing with just drums because there's voices you know it's it's a drum line you know it's it and there's melody within the drum a lot you can do well, yeah without yeah, a melodic so
1: side yeah
2: and most of our groups do that and maybe have dancers but a lot of our community groups don't always have songs you know maybe they'll work with with like, uh, Carl's group works with the, his band, right. Uh, Jenga, Mm -hmm. right. They sometimes do collabs and, you know, different things. Um, you know, like there's like outlets for that. Um, but like, uh, Bomba, like you absolutely have to have all three or it's just, it just feels weird. You know, you can have dancers and you can choreograph Bomba dance, which some of our, um, our dancers do we have some Bulma dancers in town, some, there's a Puerto Rican contingency and they're, they're amazing women. Uh, I guess they're all women. So, um, at this point they're amazing. They're so supportive of what we're doing. Um, and they love it. And, you know, they have a group and they often, if they're presenting, they'll go and they'll, they'll dance to tracks, you know, and they'll choreograph much like Samba dancers do right. Um, when they're dancing the tracks, which is totally cool. Um, I, I think, and, and they know it, it works for them, but, the way bomba is supposed to work is solo dance interacting with a solo drummer, where when you do a move, a drummer makes a sound, mm-hmm. right? Where samba, you can choreograph and there's different breaks and, you know, there's a lot more happening in the drums, you know? So you can choreograph stuff to that. Where like with bomba, unless you're trying to catch the, the primo or the the subidor, right? The, um, that specific drummer's calls, unless you're trying to, you, you have to work really hard to try and choreograph something to match what you're hearing in the solo drum um and often it's hard to hear on recordings because there's like you know four other drums playing a unison pattern the solo drums there but it's kind of you know can get muddied up and then there's a maraca and then there's singing and a chorus and um so it's super cool and so they love it right they do that and it's cool they get to do that but now they have drummers in town <laughs> you know so they'll come out and they'll dance when we have gigs and and do different things and so we now we finally built a group and we're working on songs and i'm not a great singer but i you know, I'm learning songs. Man, you and, do a uh, lot.
1: Mm-hmm. It's,
2: yeah, I, I'm obsessed with, <laughs> with drumming, right? And, and music. And, you know, it's, uh, sometimes I'm like, wait, if you're a jack of all trades, can you, can you never be good at, at anything? And I, I try not to be, you know, um which is yeah so it's tough yeah i i teach band during the day i teach <laughs> high school band and i'm a band director and and i've taught marching band and i teach concert band and i also teach music technology and I, yeah and i also yeah i make beats and i also play samba and bomba and um so it's it's wild i try to do everything to the best of my ability sometimes that's tough but we've got a really good crew and everybody's really excited to continue learning bomba and we've been bringing people out for years now and we've got new teachers and new friends that we keep meeting that we're going to keep bringing out um it's it's such an amazing journey you know and, and we've done the same with brazilian um uh drumming you know we we it hasn't worked out to bring Dudu down you know every time every time i get courtney's emails hey do you want to have Dudu? doo i was like yes when uh not a good time you know um but uh, you know, you know, we've had Mark out, uh Nino came out mm-hmm. years ago and Derek Wright had oh, to translate. That was a long time ago. Yeah. That <laughs> was a long time ago. And those are like some of those kids that were at that workshop that were in my high school program, they're like 23 now. Have and they babies. were like 14. <laughs> yeah. Some of those people have kids. Yeah. Um, so uh, so that was cool. That was my first experience with like Maraka 2, but like I didn't really know it. I was like, oh cool. I had like no idea what I was doing, you know. Um we've had Scott out, you know. Um, but uh, we haven't had like Ailton or Dudu, right? Some of our uh, you know um, Brazilian friends who you know when they're up, we haven't had them out. But you know we uh, you know try and get to camp when we can. You know, we, uh, you know I've been to camp once, which I need to go again. But camps at a terrible time for Arizona school teachers. It's hard for it's teachers, teachers year, a lot of third times. Week, yeah. Third week of school, and the only reason I was able to go in 2015 was because um, uh, we didn't have kids. And I had three band directors that I was working with. Yeah. So I, I didn't have to worry about my classes. I just left for a week. I think Jason Koontz,
1: <laughs> when he said that he had, had known about it for a long time and wanted to go, he basically like asked for the, you know, asked way ahead of time for the time yeah. off and got someone to cover his classes and, you know, yeah. to be able to work it out so he could come for yeah. for the one. Exactly. Time. If, I,
2: if I was a math teacher that also loved drumming, you bet, <laughs> you bet I'd be at camp every year, right? right. It's like, cool, I can yeah. get a sub to teach math, I can prepare you know, like if I, you know, you teach algebra one, well, you teach five of the same class sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe another, you know, but like I teach five different classes all day. Right. Um, on top of teaching band, which is like, you know, a heavy commitment and football games and, you know, and protocol in your classroom. Mm -hmm. And it's just a different class. It's, So it's like to leave in the third week of school now at my new program at at Camelback High School, where I teach, it's very difficult. But uh, I think
1: that that's the the reason why it's hard for teachers is the reason why it's good for camp is because that's when all the because normally that camp is a kid's summer music program. So once all those kids go back to school, then the camp is actually available, mm -hmm. like the physical space Mm -hmm. is available. So you know what I'm saying? So it's just not available any other time of the year or the summer, I should say.
2: Yeah, like we go back to school on August second this year. It's so early. Wow, that's oh, okay. super yeah, early. Earlier, we're we're on the early shift. I think after this year, it starts. It, I don't know, maybe one more year of early shift, but then I think it starts going back to like. Is that because year. of the pandemic? No, it's because oh. of Christmas. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It uh, we're actually out. We're out early. This it all depends on Christmas, right? So, hmm. um, a lot of our schools in Phoenix live on this almost college semester schedule where. You're done with semester one at winter break. Yeah. You know, hmm. and then if semester two starts, so quarter three and four starts after winter break. So midterms are the end of the finals for your classes are just like in university. They're right before winter break. Right, right. And then finals again are at the end of the year in May. And we're done before, we're done a week before Memorial Day this year, which is crazy. Really. Hmm. Um but uh, and that sometimes shifts by a week. Sometimes you know, sometimes it's second week of August straight into Memorial Day. Sometimes it's first week of August to a week before, like it is now. But uh growing up, where I grew up in New Jersey, we started after Labor Day, yeah. which would be great. If I was teaching in New Jersey, you bet I'd be at Brazil camp every year. I'd be <laughs> you know in the last couple of weeks of summer, band camp wouldn't have started yet. It'd be great. Yeah, I work at um, a
1: community college that starts after after Labor Day, so I've got
2: yeah, usually that's great tons of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. So. It's, it's definitely a weird environment. And so, but I get done early and, you know, right. But right, Yeah. It's a, it's a weird thing, but it works. So one day I'll get, I'll get back.
1: <laughs> I got a question to you about your, you've got sponsors. You, um, is that Meinl, Remo, Vic Firth, some others are sponsor your yeah. group.
2: Yeah, So no, my, I mean, Meinl is, is, they've been really, really good to me. Um, uh, German, uh, at, at Meinl has been really amazing. Um, and, uh, sort of fell into the products you know and it's a, it's a long story but um we did have a conversation uh, about some of the some of the things and you know some things should hopefully will get passed on to manufacturing and design folks um you know just talking about some little things like hey like here are some things that are really awesome that people love about some of the stuff that I love and then it's like here's a couple of things which just might need to be updated mm-hmm. you know it's like as you beat stuff up you find stuff where you're like you know what like this could be better this way you know and I think I, I would hope that that's that's part of why you have people on your team, so you can you know you can get that feedback, you know. And they've been really good to me. Um, and uh, you know, uh, th- their product line as a whole is really amazing, right? Their I mean, all across are the great, board. Yeah, all- yeah. are amazing. Their um, their hand drums, right? I've got a set of old uh, Tumbadoras, and they're absolutely amazing. They sound beautiful, and they're not even like top of the line drums. They're the the Marathon, which is like you know sort of like a matador drum from LP but they sound way better than Matadors, right? And they, they're so rich and full. Mm. And, you know, like I was, the, when, when buying them, I was like, should I get like the really, really nice ones, the Woodcraft ones? And my buddy Beto in Puerto Rico is also a minor artist. He's like, dude, just get the same ones I have. So we literally have the same drums, the Leopard Burl, they're beautiful drums. Not only look, but sound. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's kind of the deal. Uh, Minel's been been really good, um, really responsive. And, that's uh, cool. you know, it, it's cool. And, you know, they super supportive, you know, when we're doing workshops and, uh, you know, I, they, yeah, they're super supportive and I, cool. I can't, can't blame it, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean all the endorsements they're they, they trickled in, you know, it's like, I definitely feel like when I was younger, I was, you know, it's like, you're trying to establish yourself as a musician, a gigging musician. So I was like, all right, like, how can I get endorsements? Um, so, uh, you know, how, you know, you try and eat them up and, uh, I think the first one was Vic Firth through like the education team, which I'm still on, you know, I was teaching drumline and you you can get into the, um, the education team that way. And then, you know, you get to meet some of your um, uh, whatchamacallit, you know, you get to meet some of the reps and Neil Larvey at the time was, you know, one of the big Vic Firth reps and I've had different people and um, hopefully you can't hear a kid crying. He did something. (laughs) Um, But uh, so uh, you know, and Vic first been really good and really supportive when, you know, when there's workshops and clinics and, That's cool. um, and then Remo, I met Bruce Jacoby actually at a an event here in Phoenix at one of the resorts. He was out for a college marching band symposium that uh, Jim Hudson, who's the marching band director at ASU was hosting that at the time my wife helped put together because she was working for him. And um, I met Bruce Jacoby, who was the Remo education rep at that time. And we we're just talking and he's like, so, you want to remote? Endure? It was like one like I didn't even ask. He's like, "So, uh, when are you going to be on the team?" I was like, "Uh, now." <laughs> you know, so he gave me his card, and I called him. You know, I sent right him an email. So that was like total like them approaching. Um, Mapex Majestic was uh, a long connection through ASU through mm-hmm. uh, Chris Hankins, mm-hmm. um, who's now like way up in in uh, KHS Music, which is the parent company, and he's like way up. Right? He started as like just like the Mapex. Majestic, like drumline rep, and then kind of kept moving up, and so he's like way up in corporate, you know, based in Tennessee, Nashville area, and um, and uh, so uh, you know, I ran into him at Nam, and we, you know, finally, like, finally, was like, hey, you know what, like, what I want to be, uh, I want to be on board, like, let's talk about this relationship we've had for ten years now that, you know, we've never done anything with that we've always talked about, like, hey, if you ever need anything, let me know. It's like, well, let's let's move forward, so. Right you know it's, it's great to be able to support their their products and use their products when i'm out gigging and you know i've got a killer mapex kit you know I, I i love their hardware their snare stands, their drums are they sound absolutely awesome um and then you know their keyboards uh have really been redesigned in the last you know five six eight years or whatever and uh so i've got a bunch of their keyboards at school which is cool so when i'm ordering new stuff i usually get um majestic keyboards they sound absolutely amazing you know they're they're their hardware, the frame is nice, you know, it's like, it's there, you know, there's good stuff about everybody's equipment, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, um, you know, there's, you know, like Adams just finally redesigned their Voyager frame. I, I, I did hear that. So, you know, it's like people like, yeah, I love Adams. It's like, it's like, except these concert frames, you know, it's like, they've, they've been weak for years, you know? So like, they finally just redesigned it, you know? Um, so it's like, okay, cool. Like, you know, products change. That's cool. They, they, they listened. Know, yeah. Yeah. At some point, you know, someone listened and, you know, some of the drums change and, and mine Mine was like a long haul, like, just like, you know, I reached out years ago when Chris Brewer was the only rep and he's the symbol guy. And um, he's like, well, we're trying to hire a drum person and we're just not there yet. And then a couple, you know, a year later, we still haven't hired one. Then a year later, I emailed back. And this was like 2008, nine, when mm-hmm. I reached out first. And that was like, that was the access. So like, I, you know, I had been playing on Brazilian drums. I had played on some contemporania stuff and it was good, but it was d- super difficult to get. Yeah, um, right. You know, you couldn't get it here if you tried. And then, you know, I I played on some of the uh, some pearl drums, and uh, you know, and then I played on the minor drums. I was Like these are way better, you know. <laughs> um, you know, so I kind of just moved in a direction of stuff that I that I like that was also really accessible. You know, you could actually um, get. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, I just kind of moved forward with that, and you know, and that relationship has been great. You know, and they've really supported me and been been excited and you know when i make videos now and they'll, they'll post it up they'll you know edit some things into them and post them on the instagram and her facebook oh, right and on. it's been cool yeah, yeah cool
1: yeah good so that's i think back uh, when they came out with their you know brazilian drums was when the lions were around and I they said they, yeah. they sent the lions um here in portland a bunch of um shout out to brian davis uh Mm -hmm. brian davis a bunch of drums and those guys tried them out and then gave them their comments back but yeah Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: so no it's been cool so those that's the endorsements you know and like some of them were kind of like right place right time some of them were me being very pestering like i will say i will minel was like you know the grease grease the squeaky wheel like for years you know yeah, it was just like yeah it had to be it just had, finally like it came together right that's a good general
1: um, lesson i think for people and me in particular is just go after what you want if you know what you want like just yeah and, get after it yeah
2: yeah and yeah and sometimes people like well how do you have all these endorsements like i asked you know like <laughs> yeah. if you never ask like, <laughs> yeah. you know like remo was very much right place right time yeah so you know i think if anybody like with anything it's like you know sometimes people you could look at other people's success and be like oh, what are they? you know, they have all this stuff. It's like, well, what have you done? You know, like, yeah, it's kind of like, like, yeah. have you tried, you know, have mm-hmm. you at least tried, you know, like, you know, and, and a lot of my connections too, I, I think a lot of them, I would not have had some of these endorsements without my connections to the schools. I think that's a big yeah. sell for some sure. of the companies. Cause mm-hmm. I'm, I'm using product with kids, kids buy product. We buy product in mass mm-hmm. amounts with school, mm-hmm. you know? So it's kind of like that thing too. It's like, I'm, because it's like, if you're, it's hard if you're not a touring musician and you're not in Modern Drummer Magazine once every quarter, uh, how are you how are you promoting the product? That's you know, exactly you yeah, you gotta big, think of it from their you perspective. Have a big private like studio how or a big following, yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. So my school connections and you know, just have grown and my community connections I think have grown and been an asset for companies, you know. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, if I go and if I'm doing like I was supposed to go do a, a before pandemic hit a day of percussion in Southern California. Um uh for uh the pas day down there i was going to do like a big workshop oh, cool. and it was cool and like that's where it's like okay here i am and all these companies get to to come out in full force with the banners and support and send gear and um you know and often the companies help offset travel expenses or they'll help offset um you know fees right that's so nice. you can you know go so, and and i was chapter president for a number of years here for arizona pas so these these companies, whatever company they are, they're really amazing. You know, I've I've, you know, had a chance to build a relationship with with the Pearl folks, with you know the Zildjian folks, with Promark folks, and you know just all these companies that often aren't aren't mine, but um, they're they're really good. They're really supportive of their artists, and you yeah, know, cool. you know, and they re- they're especially like educational artists too. You know, they because they know they're, they're, that's a, there's a lot of work in those trenches. You know, um, and there's yeah you know, there's a different level of artistry and skill.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Well, you know, as we start to wrap this, this interview up and land this plane, um, do you have any recommendations for people who are out there running groups? Maybe they're teaching at school? Like, you've, you've done uh, a lot of really cool things I think other people aren't doing. Like I said, you, you know, you've got these sponsorships that we just talked about. You also are able to play your pay your players. Um, you're involved in a lot of different things.
2: Yes. <laughs> I mean, I think it's fine. What works like what, what's worked for us here has been our model. Right. Um, and I don't know if that would work everywhere. You know, we have a unique environment in the city, but it works for us here and it works for me, you know, as a, as I would say, as a professional musician, you know, like if I wasn't a professional musician and professional educator, like, you know, I might be okay. Just being like, yeah, cool. Come on. We'll just teach whoever, you know, cause I just want to drum with people. Like, I want to teach beginners, but I also want to drum with people who are like really, really good, yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and for me, it's an outlet to to really do some high level stuff. And um, and it's fun to put put into practice things we've all learned at camp or learned from our teachers who we've brought out, you know, um, you know, but like Scott Kettner says it, I think, in his book his the Monica 2 book. He's like, yeah, you know, you don't have to, you know, blah, 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 blah. He goes, just get some friends, get my book and start playing through it, you know. <laughs> And just, just drum together. Like that's kind of the way he put it. Like just get some friends and start drumming, you know? And that's Mm -hmm. how our Bomba group sort of started. Just like a couple people who are like, what is Bomba? It's like, dude, it's dope. Let me, let me, let me tell you all about it. (laughs) And that's how Stampeno was like, dude, I knew nothing. And then you just, you dropped it on me. I was like, this is awesome. I'm in, you know? So, you know, finding people that are, that can get hooked on it, you know, drummers, I I would say people who used to do drumline really like drumming. Well, if you really like drumming and you really like drumline and you don't want to teach marching band anywhere, cause that's, that's how people continue that outlet. You know, they, they teach yeah, marching band. Yeah,
1: right. Yeah. And if
2: you don't want to continue doing that or you need a break, that's a really great opportunity to start a samba group mm-hmm. or a Brazilian percussion group. Right. Because it's so similar in approach as mm-hmm. far as like the chops and the arrangements and, um, and the, the, just what it really embodies. It's parade music, you know? Um, and uh, so, uh, you know, find people that are like you and you know like if if you have a drumline background it's okay to have a drumline background and it's okay to play square for a little bit until you you figure
1: it out yeah
2: but (laughs) you know but then two years in it's not okay to, (laughs) to, to send someone to camp it's not okay to not call you know some of the guys or people right who are in the states like like mark or or you know, Michael Spiro or, or Georgie, Scott, you know, Georgie uh, Alabe. Georgie, Georgie Alabe, Yeah, he's in the States, right. It's like at some point it's, I would say it's, it's not okay to not call some of those people or not have Brian Davis out or to not connect, you know, um, at camp mm-hmm. or, you know, take the opportunity to bring Dudu out or, you know, when they're in town and, um, like, you know, keep learning, keep moving forward. And, uh, you know, and uh, I think that's what we've done. We've, we've been able to do that and I'm, I'm guilty. We haven't really had a lot of Brazilians out in Phoenix. Um, So, uh, you know, I would say I'm second generation, you know, removed, I'm twice removed from the source, um, which I don't love. Although, you know, I had a chance to study at camp, but, and I always try and tell people that like, you know I'm like my GCU students is like, you're learning this groove from me who I learned from Mark who probably learned from someone in Brazil. So you're three times removed from this already. So I would say, that's good you call that
1: out. I like that you yeah, call that at,
2: out. At this point, it would not be safe for you to go and start your own group somewhere and start teaching all this repertoire. You know, like you got to get closer to the source at some point. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I am, I, I, you know, I am one step removed from bomba on all of my learning. You know, I've learned all of my bomba from Puerto Ricans, mostly in Puerto Rico. Um, you know, um, and they always say, you know, I, I I do get a Puerto Rican passport and, and I, I, I'm an honorary Puerto Rican and they call my house the embassy sometimes. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's uh, it's try and get as close to the source as possible, which we've tried to do. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we're guilty of not doing enough. Um, sometimes the source, you know, you know, in, in other countries could be difficult with a language barrier or Internet, you know, um, you know, but, uh, you know, we try and get as close to the source as we can. And when we can't, we try and continue to keep getting as close. You know, it's like we, you know, we use all the sources we have access to. Um, but yeah, to, to be four times removed from the source, I think is a bit far out, you know. Um, so I tell my GCU students know that they're like, yeah, we're a little bit removed from the source. We need to do some studying or we need to go to camp or we need to you know do something before we can really continue to Really push our own agenda somewhere. We gotta somewhere. get
1: you guys so. roped into the. There's a, a thing, you know. B- well, pre-pandemic, every year in Seattle, um, gosh, on the on the summer solstice, to do would arrange a thing, and a bunch of the West Coast people from the West Coast groups would get together and play in this parade. And we gotta get you guys roped into that. Some of the Austin folks started coming. Oh wow! To that, yeah, well, let and me know. We were just having a lot of people from the West Coast, California, Oregon. Um, Washington, you know, coming from all together to play. It was really fun.
3: But mm-hmm.
1: there's other opportunities yeah. besides Brazil camp, you know, just to get together and learn yeah, and play. Yeah, Exactly. Well, Samba Queen,
2: <clears throat> October. <laughs> yeah, Yeah. cool. So get out of the cold and come here. Yeah, well, yeah that's for us, right. Get out of the heat and go, go up there. So, right, right, right. Yeah, for sure. This has been super, super fun, you know, super exciting to you know, be asked to finally do this. You know, of course, you're right. We're gonna hang up and be like, "Man, I didn't talk about this, or I didn't mention these people, or mention these people." Like, can I, can I give my shout out? I had a list. Can I give my shout outs? Keith liner Dom Williams, Mark Lanson, Scott Ketner, CBC folks like Hilton and Dudu, Ninio, Porangi, Johnny Finn. Those are some. And Julie Hills are like all my like like Brazilian drumming like teachers, like people who I like learned from and and had a chance to learn with. So,
1: cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Thanks,
0: Joe. Well,
2: thank you. This has been super, super fun.
1: All right. That was Joe Goklia now living in arizona if you want to learn more about what he's doing you can check out his links go to our website theBrazilianBeat.com, and you'll see pictures of him and his groups and 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 links to everything he's doing and and his bio so go check that out and we have a shout out this week to one of our past guests leo leo bonds he sent us a I mean, he's sent us ever since we did the interview. He's yeah. sent us fabulous, just little notes here and there, and voice memos and things. And he's just—he's just a wonderful, such a good guy. I know, such a cool person, and he really speaks from the heart. And I, that was one of my favorite episodes that we've done, really. And his music is so interesting and cool, and just tapped in, you know. Like, anyway,
0: huge shout out to Leo. Thank you so much for for just staying in touch. And yeah sharing yeah yeah it's good to have those little uh especially during this pandemic to have those little connections and um shout outs back to us yeah oh
1: and another one to uh mr Herding cats (laughs) he had like a year ago right diana like he had sent uh a package to for us with gifts and and since diana and i haven't seen each other um for a year (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, I had not received mine, and, and it was little earrings, and
0: they were beautiful. Yeah. You know, they was made by a local artist in the town where he lives. And
1: anyway, thank you so much. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Courtney and I actually saw each other for the first time in right. more than a year. Um, outdoors, with masks. Yeah. yeah. In the park. Yes. Yeah. So, good to see you, Courtney. Yeah, good to see you, too. <laughs> in person. Always good. I wanted to shout out also just the folks in Arizona. There's such a great community of zombistas uh, there in the in the Arizona area. There's there's Brian Cooper Ryder who we spoke, who we uh, interviewed quite a while ago uh, in Flagstaff. There's um, Jamie in Tucson and all her gang. So just a big shout out to all you folks in Arizona. We see you. <laughs> Um, and here's a personal thing for me. Um, last week, um, <clears throat> so last week, one of my uh, professors from Cuba passed away. And he was like just the best. And um, when I went to Cuba a long time ago, I studied uh, in Santiago de Cuba with uh, Ballet Folclórico Cutumba and uh, my professor Ernesto Arminian. Linares was just one of my favorite teachers ever. He just, he really knew about his culture inside and out. And um, being from Oriente, it's a totally different scene from Havana. So they have their own um, dances and culture there. And um, so it was very special to study with him. He took me for my first. Uh, reading of cowries uh, and he was just, just a great man and I I just wanted to recognize him he and his whole family are just have been involved in uh, music and dance in Santiago de Cuba and the area um, for eons and they just are the best so shout out to Ernesto Arminian Linares What was he like? What was his?
1: Was he a dancer? Was he a drummer? Or all he, of the above?
0: He well, he danced and sang, and he his lectures on just mm-hmm. you know the different um, different dances, and like he would talk about Gaga, he would talk about uh, Vodou, he would talk about uh, popular music, and he, yeah, so he would, he, you know, he just knew everything about um, that region. And he is very recognized as uh, an ethnomusicologist um, there in that area.
1: I'm a culture bearer in the area. Yeah, yeah. so
0: it's very sad to see him go because he was one of the, um, you know, he had a lot of information, you know. He held a lot. Yeah. yeah. I've been really enjoying over the past um, several months taking Portuguese uh, once a week. Yeah, me too. It's been really helpful to kind of have like a little social outlet in a way, um, as well as learning. Um, I think my oh, yeah. Portuguese has improved. <laughs> I hope. Um, so I encourage all of you to, uh, you know, if you can take Portuguese, do it. Especially yeah. if, if you are planning on going there at some point or if you're studying, um, it really makes a difference, I think, to know, uh, to kind of have a, just a base to work from.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I've really enjoyed it too. Um,
1: and it's been fun being in those classes with you and seeing, yeah. seeing you in there on the screen. Um, yeah, and
0: we've actually had friends from Brazil camp that have been in that class too. Not even that, that don't even live in this state, uh, that are from out of state. Yeah, so, yeah. So that's been really cool. So yeah, that's our shout out for uh, Portuguese class.
1: <laughs> I have a recommendation for everybody that I got from Sylvia, actually, our mighty, mighty translator. Um, she told me about this app called Radio Garden. And you can, well, she, she didn't just tell me, she told Diana too. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> About So this app, it shows the globe that you can spin and it's, you know, it's the world and all the radio stations show up as a green dot. So you can zoom into different areas. And I zoomed in, of course, to Rio and found um, one channel called Hajio Agogo Karaoke So Radio Agogo Karaoke check that one out. It's just basically Samba and Heydo all day long. <laughs> all day and all night. It's a wonderful way to wake up in the morning. And then there's Radio Viva Usamba, Samba which is also another one. That's more like popular music Pagogi type type song. So
0: yeah, they're both super good. And uh, yeah, I highly recommend that. My recommendation it has nothing to do with Brazilian music or Brazilian culture. Oh yeah? Is it like oh. ice cream or something? <laughs> No, it's actually um, also my guilty pleasure. Oh. <laughs> Over the pandemic, I've started... Uh, I got sick of all the shows I was watching on Netflix and just bored. And, like, it was the same old, same old. And I watched everything. Um, and I I tend to like foreign uh, shows anyway. So I started watching uh, Korean programs. And I just, like... <laughs> I kind of am in a exclusive Korean, uh, drama, uh, and <laughs> <laughs> reality or variety, a kind of show. Now I, I even have an app called, uh, Viki TV that's for, uh, uh, Asian, um, programming. So that's been, it's been really cool because it's opened up this whole new, uh, thing for me you know it's like shows i've never seen before although now I, some shows i like so much that i watch over and over again <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> yeah they're just like kind of i do that with other shows too because like they're just so comforting sometimes hmm. so yeah um so yeah it, it in korean i've kind of have like started my dueling. <laughs> Oh, nice. And listening stuff, yeah, and listening to stuff. So we'll see how far I get to that because I'm also doing Portuguese on Duolingo. But yeah, that's my recommendation. If you have nothing, you know, if you get tired of what you're watching, watch something totally different. Like, Completely
1: off, yeah. Yeah,
0: uh, I've also started watching. I was watching some shows from Turkey as well. Oh, <laughs> so, cool. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, you know, that's one thing that's kind of cool about this radio station too is that you can go to the Middle East and listen to something. Yeah, wherever. You can go to Siberia and listen to something,
0: or, you know, Tibet or wherever. It's it's pretty cool that way. way. So if you need any recommendations on uh, Korean shows, let me know. (laughs) I I, I can give you some.
1: (laughs) Awesome. So... If you guys need drums and gear, check out gosamba.net. Um, I am selling out of stuff, but I'm also getting a big order coming in. So um, hang tight and and keep watching the website, gosamba.net. I mean, there's still lots of straps and sticks and a few kaishas and things, but. Um,
0: I but saw yeah. that that shiny green uh, kaisha that. Was it a kaisha that uh, Terry Kamori's oh, yeah. got?
1: Terry, yeah.
0: Terry Tambori,
1: shout out to him, man. He's a a, a great guy, too.
0: He, uh, yeah, he buys, buys stuff and takes pictures of it and sends it to me. And, yeah, he's great. So another uh, recommendation is a new Brazilian uh, podcast that we've been listening to Um also from the Pacific Northwest, at least half of it, it's called Massa Brazilian Music and Culture with Juliana Cantarelli Vita and Skyler Weldon, and um, they are uh, they just started, so they only have a couple episodes uh, out, but they are taking topics um, um, and discussing them pretty uh, extensively. So like yes, the, la- it's the so last, the last, yeah, the last couple episodes were about uh, Candomblé. Um, so, yeah, they're not really long, um, but they're just really informative, and uh, yeah, it's great to have another Brazil, a new Brazilian music uh, podcast out there as well. I feel so, like what they're doing is is
1: is the perfect complement to what we're yeah. doing. I mean, because they're taking deep dives into the culture and talking about all these things that you and I really—I mean—we're not part of of Brazilian culture; we just like it and. They're just do he's an ethnomusicologist and she is too i think and they anyway she's brazilian and they do these deep dives into the genres and how it influences influences pop music and and how condom like what it is and where it comes from and all the way back to you know slavery bringing um africans from different parts of africa to Brazil, and they talk about the whole history of that. And I think the fir- the next two episodes are
0: also going to be on Condomble Yeah, the sacred music. So, um, yeah, it's. I think she said the next one specifically on uh, music from uh, Casipi, where she's from. Yeah, it's yeah, such and, a great podcast. Yeah, I'm yeah and really they just dis- yeah they discuss how, you know, Condomble you can find it in popular music and. Talk about the bell patterns and, you know, the different, just all the different parts. Yeah, and they're, um, you know, they're both academic, so they take it kind of like on that tip. Um, so you can also find them on their website, esifoimassa, E-S-S-E-F-O-I-M-A-S-S-A dot com. Um, like I said, they only have a couple episodes out, but uh, yeah, you should start listening to them. Highly recommended, yeah. You can find us at our website, thebrazilianbeat.com. You can email us at brazilianbeat at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at BrazilianBeat1. You can find us on Facebook at The Brazilian Beat Podcast. You can also find us on Instagram. And we are on YouTube, so follow us on YouTube as well. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Ciao, everybody. Hope you liked all our uh, recommendations. and. uh <laughs> Let us know what you think about those items.